This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. Hi, I'm Evan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Will. Hi, I'm Jesse still. And we're going to talk about the Ganymede Takeover by Philip K. Dick and uh, Ray Nelson. I'm looking at one cover where the ebook is online, and it says, Hugo Award-winning author, Philip K. Dick and Ray Nelson. <laughs> the Ganymede Takeover. Um, Philip K. Dick's font is huge, right? And Ray Nelson is tiny. Um, the, Rude. Uh, I don't... <laughs> I'm not sure what percentage of the book is written by Ray Nelson. Um, I'm not sure what percentage is written by Philip K. Dick, but I'm pretty sure a lot of it was written by Philip K. Dick because it's very Philip K. Dick. Um, yeah, I think it might have been uh, written a lot by Philip K. Dick and tidied up a lot by Ray Nelson. That makes that makes some sense. Um, I saw one review saying uh, the talk the talk about a specific device being full of micro circuitry. Uh, was more likely Ray Nelson because Philip K. Dick wasn't really interested in miniaturization. <laughs> and I'm like, plausible, okay. plausible, That's right? That's plausible. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I can tell you one section that was – I almost tweeted it this week, and then I thought I'll save it. Um, <laughs> it was written by Philip K. Dick. I'm certain. If not, then Ray Nelson is just the most amazing pastiche work man on the planet. Um, so this, oh, it starts off, this scene starts off with, uh, something I really like, uh, uh, Philip K. Dick's various flying car, you know, things. Uh, yeah. And this one's called on Ion No Craft. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it goes like this. Another an Ionocraft, even more seedy and in disrepair than the first, came clattering over the treetops. It settled on, settled to earth somewhat bumpily, a few yards from her. Its door slid rustily half open, stuck, shuddered. Then at last, with a final surge of effort, moved fully aside to reveal a shabby, little-used interior that dated from years before the war. Are you from Percy X? she asked, her heart labored. I'm private. <laughs> the ancient cab informed her tinnily. Not a part of the fleet. Like you have up north, I do what I like. For twenty UN dollars, I'll convey <laughs> you to the Neek parts. I've been following you, miss. I knew that creep of a wick ship would dump you off. I can't do the voice anymore. Dump you off. <laughs> Are you safe to ride in? She felt dubious. Sure. <laughs> I own a very good Tom mechanic. So that's just awesome. I, I uh, love that passage. I feel like that line is one of my favorites that we're gonna get. I bought. I was like, I do what I like. <laughs> I bought my. I bought them with fares I saved up. The cab added quickly. It's legal for a class one homeostatic mechanism to own a Tom since the war, anyhow. Only most machines are too stupid to make such a major investment. Get in, miss. Get within, miss. She clambered in. The cab loaded her gear into the luggage compartment with many alarming creaks and clankings. Jones zipped up her coveralls and, as the cab ascended, adjusted her makeup in anticipation of her first meeting with the leader of the Earth's last remaining resistance forces. <laughs> Very philokidic paragraph there. <laughs> Listen, don't be apprehensive, the cab said. 
I ferry people to the hills all the time. I, I've got a monopoly. Nobody else does it. That's how I earn a buck. I can't compete on the regular runs. I mean, I sort of smell bad, if you know what I mean. Some guy, when I was ferrying him, he said, I smell like cat wee. <laughs> Do you think so? Do I smell like cat wee? Do you think so? Or was he just trying to make me feel inferior? So, I mean, insecure machinery is just like <laughs> so uh, good. That's why I read Philip K. Dick, right? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it owns a a person, that's horrible. But the fact that a robot owns a human being is hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's both stupid and funny. And, um, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have a nose, so it can't tell if it smells bad. <laughs> Do I smell bad? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I, I assume Phil Giddick wrote that. Maybe it got cleaned up by Ray Nelson. I'm sure he had some sort of contribution because they it has both their names on it mm-hmm. but it's I'd hard. love to know how they worked on this like what the roles were it's hard to know right like I, it, it's actually one of his more competent novels which is <laughs> saying something i think you know like the plot is a little better put together than a lot of his books mm-hmm. i'm not sure that that's uh you know, I, editing? no, I, I feel like that it is. Um, yeah. I'm not, but, but there's all, like, I don't know where the Tennessee thing came from, but, um, certainly Philip K. Dick's interested in blacks and Indians, uh, a little less so. Um, uh, but he deals with this all the time and this is full of ideas, right? This book is very interesting. It's also not a great book, but it's pretty interesting. The, the, the fact that there, Unlike a lot of Philip K. Dick books, the, the novel starts almost like with a, like a prelude is very un Philip K. Dick like. Like suddenly, yeah, we we talk about the takeover, and then suddenly years later, and we're in the takeover. I thought like, well, is that Ray Nelson's doing? Because I can't think of a Philip K. Dick where he's done ever done that, where you have that time jump between hmm. the start of the book and then the actual. Action. Yeah, so the opening scene is before the invasion, right? Right. Uh, and we don't actually see the invasion, I don't think. No, uh, we don't. We just we see, see it after Max years. Yeah, later. and uh, so it's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of Doctor Blood Money, and that you know there's been a nuclear war, and then we're skipped ahead. Um, but yeah, so it's possible he opened the the <laughs> he opened the book uh, just in the middle of it because apparently this was supposed to be a sequel to The Man in the High Castle. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, the Japanese were the, replaced with the Ganymedians, or yeah. vice versa, right? So imagine. I read that as well, and I could see it a little bit. Yeah, I can see it a little bit. Um, I think that the, he's. Uh, I, yeah, the the, the 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 how race gets get uh, gets treated in this book by the Ganymedians and generally by Americans. Yeah, I can kind of see that. That's exactly what what makes it makes the well, most sense. Also made me uncomfortable. I mean, I mean, like <laughs> of course it did. This book I was like, why am I listening to this? I got to do the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I, I, I would have noped out of this if I wasn't doing it for the show because wow. some of this was like, uh this really is not what, what I signed up for. Well, I think I think it is what you signed up for, Paul. <laughs> and it's something it's important because uh, Philip K. Dick's not racist, right? He has racist characters in this book. Um, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure Ray Nelson's not racist. I've talked to him. Seemed like a reasonable guy. Didn't seem racist to me. <laughs> what I do think is that uh, the United States in 1965 was pretty racist. Um, and uh, so using... I mean, if you think about how uh, he did it in Man in a High Castle, there was a lot of racism in there, too. Um, one of our main characters in it is... Uh, uh-huh. uh, dealing with the Japanese and he sees them as both superior and he's resentful of them. Um, he thinks they're, they're physically beautiful. Um, but he also feels like he's superior to them. (laughs) And he also wants to have sex with one of them. This reminded me of Bessie was the counterclock world in that he, Dick really seems to have an interest, not just in American race relations, but in, Black activism. Yep. Yep. And then in counterclock world is a major theme. And I think it's it's really in this novel and in counterclock world it's really on the surface. But there's other novels where it's more subtle. Like I think our friends from Full Ox Eight, where you mm. have this kind of social structure based on post humans and uh, the mutants and So what do you what, what what's the uh the we don't get the terms defined for us, right? I had to, I'm pretty sure I have to interpret the connection for a second. Okay. Yeah, I think he's, uh, but he, this is very much a novel of Dick, that Dick was writing in the 1960s. I don't know how much of this is Nelson's, but you see a whole lot of Dick from, the, from this, especially this time, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters, a lot going on in yep. a short novel. And that's always, a, there's a lot about like social structures that are being like disrupted in a way. It's like it's a lot of psychology, again, again, all those psychiatry yeah, scenes, psychology right? major role, the drug stuff, but the psychology stuff do like strong here. I, if I should have, I really need to go back and do this novel for my podcast. I so, dude, I went and looked and I was like, where is it? How come you don't have it? Because it's so I clearly think, a Philip K. Dick book as well as, you yeah, know, I written to, by Ray I Nelson have to go back and clean up with. Yeah. It's it's got it's got a a lot of Philip K. Dick's hobby horses, um, and mm-hmm. I think it has. I mean, uh, other than some really cool scenes, it also has a a lot of interesting stuff. One of the one of the things that Paul should yes into. I don't think. What's the opposite of nope? <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> y u p. Yep. Um, is uh, there's a a scene where somebody gender transitions. Um, and they, there's also a lot of pronoun stuff. Like, um, everybody's saying we these days. <laughs> um, so th- there's a lot of flow back and t- forth between, uh, the relationship of men and women <laughs> changing and then, uh, between races, right? And then, uh, there's this uh, oppressor class, uh, and then liber. So what are the neg parts? So Negro partisans. That's what I thought. I thought parts was partisan, right? Or, or partition, right? But I mean, they're an army. So I think partisan makes more sense here. Uh, It does make sense. Um, But why Tennessee? (laughs) That's what's interesting to me. I mean, they, they give you some, they give you some background on that at the beginning, right? Because it's like uh, the place of like all this black music has come from. So they have that, but I mean, they have them in the like, uh, 
it's like somehow in like the the great mix up the like uh you know all the white people have been run out of the mountains of east tennessee and so mm-hmm. it's just all black people and indians in the mountains of east tennessee now mm-hmm. I, I thought that was like pretty interesting but that's like more my like local kind of like just like uh i'm interested in that yeah no that's uh, evan too <laughs> yeah a sequel uh, to the man at high castle it works too because i'm pretty sure in that novel like the center part of america is it's a little it's a frontierish like oh, colorado Germans control the east yeah. coast japanese have their the neutral zone California, sort of between but, them but when you get into yeah, yeah, that the rockies zone. and the midwest it's it's even explicitly talked about in that novel is kind of not fully under the control of either of those powers so that he was conceiving sense. this as a sequel to the Man at High Castle. That's where the resistance would come. Mm-hmm. So well, that the, kind the of explains are, it. Like, go ahead, Will. I was going to say the mountains are like, I mean, the Appalachian Mountains are like a wild place in the American imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so that that's where you have the like the partisans set up here. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and like they're coming out of the mountains, like fighting with the like. I thought they did the. I thought. I thought the accents chosen by the narrators were really interesting. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought they got I thought they got Gus like basically correct. Um, I thought it was really interesting that like the the people with the Appalachian accents were the were like the like the psychiatrist secret agents from like we don't know where those people are from from the text, but the the narrators chose to like have them be from East Tennessee. Mm. I, I, I will talk a little bit about the audiobook. So um, years ago in 2012, I think it was, uh, I did a show with Greg Marguerite uh, talking about Ray Nelson's short story um, called uh, 8 O'Clock in the Morning. 8 O'Clock. And uh, he was planning in after after show talk um, of recording the audiobook, but then Greg died <laughs> um, suddenly. Um, and, uh, I guess that plan went away. <laughs> um, so I found this as a podcast. Um, it, it's read by, uh, Jen Murtha and Stephen Davis. And I was pretty dubious about it because I just don't think dual narrator audiobooks are you, a you, great you, idea. You, you like a single, you, I do like a but, but more importantly, like, even if you do do dual narrators, usually it's, it's, you know, there's two gendered characters and you want to like use them both. And then one of them does the narration. But here, Jen Murtha does all of the non-dialogue and Stephen Davis does all of the dialogue, regardless of gender or, you know, what place in the world they're supposed to be from or what planet they're supposed to be or moon they're supposed to be from, right? Mm-hmm. And there's voice effects. And I was like, well, this is what we got. <laughs> the only other option was a book for the blind in South Africa. And I don't have access. I don't have a friend in South Africa who can help me. So I went with it and I put it together and I was like, well, it'll be something. But I actually ended up kind of liking it quite a bit, actually. Um, and I think that's largely due to it's being a Philip K. Dick and Ray Nelson novel that I was enjoying. And I sort of, yeah, I didn't get upset about any of any of it where i should have and in fact jen mirth is kind of laughing a lot of the time she's reading her lines because i think she's just heard stephen davis's reading and they are funny lines you know (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i definitely heard her laughing a lot i noticed that as well i i I don't know like i don't know who these people are there's almost a charming 
I, I don't want to. This is not pejorative word. There's almost a charming amateurish. Oh, I, I believe it is an amateur production for sure. It, I, I was thinking charming. This work actually works. It's not. Oh yeah. It's not smooth and polished. They're actually having fun doing this, and you can hear it. I would. I would hope. Uh, like I would hope that they got permission from Ray, or. You know, and they definitely didn't get it from the Philip K. Dick estate. Ray Nelson said that he had the copyright to it. I'm not sure what the copyright status is. I think the Philip K. Dick estate does not know either, and that's why they don't reproduce this book. It hasn't been published in a long time, like years, hmm. year, many yeah, years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to actually listen to it. Thanks, thanks to you, because and it does fill a hole in the Philip K. Dick reading. And this is only the second Ray Nelson work I've ever consumed. There's no, there's no, um. Uh, like copyright information there's i don't know where jen mirth and St- stephen davis live it, there's almost no information about them at all i just found like a reddit post that their thing is exists and i wasn't even sure the aud- the podcast was complete but i did check it and it is complete it's very short it's like five five and a half hours something like that um so uh I, I would hope maybe one day we'll be able to get the permission to put it in the podcast feed, but this is probably just going to be a read-along and then maybe an audiobook later on. In any case, um, I actually quite liked, <laughs> liked it, even though I thought I would hate it. And at, at very first, I thought Jen Murtha was Russian for some reason. When she says the first part of the book is chapter one. <laughs> Oh, like, wow, <laughs> Russian, okay, chapter right? one. But then it sort of calms down and becomes just normal. Um, and I, I, I think it might even be like a school project, you know, like just two uh, students who wanted to record a, a book or maybe they know Ray and he said, go for it. I don't, I don't know that the status of it. And that's, I think it's just hilarious that it exists out there and it's not getting any attention um, when it's a pretty good book. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, I would I would classify this in the top half of Philip K. Dick novels, which is there's a lot. I wouldn't say it's it's in the it's in the anywhere near the top, but it's in the top half for sure. It's I think Philip K. Dick being like my favorite version of Philip K. Dick. Yeah, like it's, it's a good book. <laughs> it's it, it, there's a lot less emphasis on breasts in this book than the Philip <laughs> novels. There's a few, I think, but it's I mean, pretty minimal. It, well, all the guys are like so obsessed with the like one woman in the novel, though. Mm. It's just like, mm-hmm. I mean, th- like you, you don't get the breasts, I guess, but um, it's like, so like, I mean, like, let's break this down, right? Like, mm-hmm. so she's she flies into the mountains. Uh, Percy X just like emotionally abuses her and then sleeps with her, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then like, um, you know, all the psychiatrists become obsessed with her too, mm. like. We get to, like, have one of them kill her, like, without her dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, he just, like, freaks out on her and, like, kills her with a bust of Sigmund Freud. Because <laughs> oh he, my like, God. <laughs> just, like, wants her too badly. And then, like, like the only guy who, like, kind of gets her, like, um, you know, like, she convinces him to, like, lie down on the ground and just, like, touch fingertips, right? And I, I thought this book, there were two good scenes in this book about, like, the the strength of, like, of like non-sexual touch, right? You get the um, you get the scene where all the partisans are like huddled together for warmth and they're like doing some kind of vocal jazz thing. Mm. Um I thought that was just like a really beautiful scene. And then the scene where the guy is uh where uh, Paul uh Rivers is uh reflecting on his 
you know, sexuality and identity as a man, touching fingers with um, uh, Joan is just, you know, there's some like really good, like some really good stuff there Mm -hmm. that I think is really sensitive, but it's like the men are all just like, they're all, they're all horny Philip K. Dick. Yeah. They're they're, totally ridiculous. And the descriptions of like what they think being a woman is like is just like hilarious all the way through. Like whenever they try to like make them yeah, that, with women, that they have no idea. It's so <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will was talking about something I think is really important in this story. Yeah, you know, this this huddling together moment. I mean, it's throughout thematically. There's so much here about the individual versus the gestalt, right? So I was thinking a lot about like even Galactic Pot Healer. There's mm. so much being about like the tension between individual ambition and identity, right? You have people with different careers, right? But ultimately mm-hmm. the real solution is is some kind of unity, right? Even in the Maze of Death has a bit of that. Where you have all these different individuals, but they're all in some kind of collective experience. But so the movement you know, is the collective, but so are the Ganymedians. Ultimately, the collective. That, that's why I thought was like thematically really interesting. Is how, in the end, that kind of dooms them. Is their hive mind? But, so, but not all of them. Just the ruling class, right? Because the the yeah. creatures are fine, actually. Oh, of course, yeah. So, um, let's talk a bit about Percy X. So, um, I didn't think about it a lot during the book, but it's pretty obvious, you know. In retrospect, um, he's Malcolm X, right? Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, he's not perfectly Malcolm X because there's no alien invasion that's just happened, unless you know, sort of squint. But he's a he's well, he he's, also doesn't really espouse Malcolm X's ideology. No, right? if Philip K. Dick is doing it or Ray Nelson's doing it, they they really didn't capture him exactly, right? Um. But the name, the X, right? Percy X. And what about Perseus? Mm. Per, per Percy's killing the Titan, i.e. the Ganymedians. Yeah. There's a there's there, there's a thought. The occupation is so weird, though. Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, and, and the only part of the occupation we really see is this this place in rebellion. We don't yeah. see really how things are going in where people are more cooperating with the Ganymedians or how that actually even looks. Yeah, the Ganymedians are are like, I mean, (laughs) they're comedy more than any, I mean, there's stuff going on there and there's sort of petty villainy, but I I think it starts right with the beginning of the book. Um, I I wonder who wrote that section. Um, It goes like this. At three in the morning, the vid phone rang. On the bed table of Rudolf Balkany, chief of the Bureau of Psychedelic Research. This comes up quite a bit, right? Psychedelic research. It rang for a long time before Balkany answered it, though, so as so often of late, he had been awake for hours. Yes, this is Balkany. I want some information, a worried voice on the other end of the line said. Balkany recognized the voice of the chairman of the United Nations Security Council. That's another theme for Dick, right? Is always thinking about the United Nations. I thought we could have a little talk. Make it brief. Well, County said, I'm a sick man. <laughs> That's a very Philip K. Dick sort of situation. You start the book that is, that is with a never. character who doesn't want to get out of bed. 
<laughs> can't, 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 um, can't get bothered over the invasion of the earth because, <laughs> because he's feeling as a like, back thing. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's, he's, we're, we're, we have this conversation because he's been working on some sort of device that maybe will be able to stop the invasion of the earth. And he says, ah, it's not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, it won't, it won't stop them. It just stop everything, right? Um, so this kind of, um, <laughs> functionary psychiatrist character, I, I feel like I've seen in four or five Phil K. Dick novels. Uh, the psychiatry angle here is, is pretty heavy duty. So there's a hell of a lot going on in terms of, of, uh, psychiatry and, you know, why all these people are acting the way they are. But it, it's it's from the Ganymedians and it's from the humans, right? That they're all they're all in a crazy house together. Um, it, it feels very non-realistic. Um, it's almost it's almost like what's the uh, the zap gun? It felt kind of like it was a parody of itself. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not taking itself very seriously. No, even its own premise. It's yeah. kind of like just like yeah. Yeah, and also it feels a little bit like, hey, I'm I'm fulfilling a contract, right? <laughs> For me, it feels like like knowing that it was a Man in the High Castle sequel. All I can think in my head is that he he was writing that sequel. Ray Nelson came to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. They took some acid, started messing around <laughs> with the story, and this is the, like what came out of it. Yeah, I I I, I get I. Would suspect they didn't set it the typewriter together, but that there's no, I have no evidence for that. I just, I get the sense that like, this is actually a fairly polished piece, which is surprising given, uh, Philip Kiddick is very sloppy a lot mm-hmm. of, in a lot of these books. Like there's, when I think, I was thinking about this book, why, why I like it is because of the passages and some ideas. I don't like the plot at all. I think the plot is stupid. Um, but when I think of some Philip Kiddick short stories, I think they're the most beautiful things ever. And then other ones, they feel very me- mechanistic. This one feels like it was mechanistic, but it was much better put together as a, in general, except for like things like Man in the High Castle will just sort of, you know, it, it feels super polished. I, th- mm. I know it's not, but I, f- I feel it. And, you know, do Android's dream of electric sheep is a little sheep. less polished, but galactic pot healer. Galactot- is no, I think galactic pot healer is probably his most polished. I know there are some technical sort of slippages here and there. Um, well, not, no, I, I feel like there are, no, but definitely are we talking about? Well, yeah. Uh, but 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 that that novel just like works. It works. Off of its it, charms. I it, mean, talking 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 to a DD through a toilet. How can you go wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, but the, it, but on top of it, the, it sort of works as a like some of his novels like as a story. Yeah. What's the one? Uh, uh, nowhere. Some no. It's the future. I always forget the title of it. There's one that was a big surprise. It was another occupation of the Earth book. <laughs> uh, now wait for last year. Now wait for last year. Right. Now wait for last year. That that felt like it. It just gelled perfectly. Um, whereas this I mean, one, I think it's it's fixed. 
it's good. Yeah, it's fixed. I, I, I mean, like, as much as I like, say, Time Out of Joint, the ending doesn't really work that well. Mm. Time Out of Joint. Well, I, I mean, once you get out of the town, things kind of fall apart. Mm. And as I mentioned, I still can't figure out why things keep show, kept falling into paper slips. So. But I love the book, but yeah, it just has problems. Yeah, he's. Not, I don't think he's... <laughs> He's good at novels. <laughs> no. <laughs> For a guy who writes a lot of novels, I don't think he's very good at it. Um, but, uh, his, his, some of his short stories are just the most beautiful gems of polished awesomeness and other ones are clunky and, but no matter what, we get, we get his, uh, his ideas usually. And there are some we, in here. We get little bits. I mean, like the whole collection, the collection of models of planes in this story. Oh. This guy's got, got all the bottles. And how it turns out, oh no, they're absolutely worthless. I was like, because I was, I, I, I was imagining, it's like, well, those would be interesting to photograph. I have a macro lens, and well, it's that, just, that's, that's just directly connected to Man in High Castle. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's a the, the yeah, authenticity. The whole, like half of the Man in High Castle is about replicas and fakes. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah, what is real? Which I don't think is a theme here, which is interesting, right? Like. Yeah. There's one theme that you guys can help me with. I, I I was thinking, is this Nelson like forcing Philip Dick to kind of explain something? Or yeah, I think so. This Dick actually exploring, and I'm I'm thinking about like the how how um tel- telepathy works here. Is there, there's a theory behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole theory of human consciousness, and uh, I forget what's it, what's it called. He's got, he's got a way, he's got, um, he's yeah. actually has a scientific explanation for it, uh, quasi scientific explanation. Uh, Balkani. 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 Who's like a figure who's not in the book, but in the book. Yeah. Because you normally, Dick doesn't normally want to explain how no. this stuff works. No. But it sort of is explained here. But at the same time, it fits so well into what he's exploring in some of his other novels about this, the importance of, this group and and the community. I would assume that if That's if Ray Nelson had done this more, Philip K. Dick would have more good books, like more 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 of the bottom half books would be brought up because I I, I do think that he was more technically savvy at, at wanting to explain things because Philip K. Dick is he's the opposite of wanting to explain things. He's like, here's the situation. I've got all these phrases, and you don't you'll just you'll just catch up and figure it out. Right, and we can oh, generally, but yeah. but we also don't mind, you no, know, having a little. Uh, I don't. It's not. Um, what, what do they call it on Star Trek? Um, techno babble, right? Yeah. So th- it. I would say that, you know, it's just a little grounding us and s- sort of letting us think about what h- how it all works. So the psychiatric element of this is. Is pretty common in Philip K. Dick, but I felt like it was a little more grounded here as well. I don't know. I, I don't want to be thinking about reviewing the book as much as I, I want to think about what you guys thought about it. Because I, I, I have a I have a question about the it. book for you all. This concept of the of the nowhere girl, mm. right, is like something that comes up a lot in the book. And so, yep. like, is that like so? At first blush, it, it's like the. You know, you think it's this hell machine, right? Like that they talk about, or like the like weapon that's going to like send everybody into oblivion therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like we have like 
Joan Hayashi who's able to like not go into like the oblivion state because she's been in oblivion therapy before. So is like is Joan Hayashi like actually the nowhere girl that Volcani has created here? Because I That's mean, it's the reading like... I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, that she is in fact the nowhere girl. She she's the she's the equivalent of the Quizzes Hadarak from Dune. Like she's she's the one that actually can transcend what the machine can do because she's been through this therapy. I don't know what what, what did you think, Marissa? Um, I thought so too because. Like, if someone even calls her that at some point, right? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe I just missed that. Yeah, she's the nowhere girl, like I think. scene at the end where she's talking to Paul and where she's been super detached and he's like, wow, she's like the best woman ever because she doesn't <laughs> care about anything. Right. And, um, <laughs> and then he's like, uh, yeah, he says, where are you, Joan? And she says, nowhere. And he says, you're the little nowhere girl, aren't you? And she oh, says, yeah. you could call me that. Let me let me read this. Um, this is from the back, I guess. That's also his wife, right? I think he probably that's how he sees his wife. Often. Yes. Um, yeah, the more like girls. drugged out and detached they are, the, the more fun they are to hang out with. Oh. <laughs> They're not asking for anything right now. <laughs> no, this but is... I, I get the. I, I feel that Dick was like constantly. He wanted the Gestalt. I really think that. He, yeah. He yes. Desperate for. Him. I mean, and he had all these relationships. He's trying to find it, and it never quite worked out. And he often, and, you know, the see way he portrays a lot of the part, female partners and his the relationships in his novels. This, you know, you got these aloof women. You know, it's it's in like Clans of the Alpha Moon, another mm-hmm. psychiatric novel. You have a very similar kind of description of a woman. The Bevatron book. What's that book called? Um. It's not Eye in the Sky, uh-huh. is it? Yeah, it's Eye in the it Sky. Is, one. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that, that's, that's about reality. the Gestalt, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so this is from the back of a 1989 uh, copy of the book, I guess. The one with the giant Philip K. Dick and the tiny Ray Nelson on the cover. Uh, first published in paperback in 1967. This is one of two Dick uh, novels uh, written in collaboration. Stylistically, it is typically Dick, or maybe this is a review, I guess typically dick but it lacks the gravity and conviction of most of his other novels it's set in the 21st century when earth has been conquered by a race of alien telepathic worm-like creatures one of whom is mechis um is attracted to theories of psychologist rudolph balkani so um this mechis character who's basically a head right <laughs> just uh, uh we're told they're worm like aliens yeah uh, but they yeah, have no yeah, arms I, and legs right and they're big heads I, 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 again dune i imagine like that pic- you've seen that cover of dune where you have paul as the worm and he's just like a worm with yeah a head with a- i'm not and a fan that's <laughs> um but uh actually uh the word mechis made me think a lot of another character who's mostly a head um from um the uk there's uh a long-running comic book character called uh, Dan Dare. And uh, he's basically, his subject line is pilot of the future, right? He's he's like a space pilot flying spaceships around the solar system. And his, anim- his arch enemy is uh, an alien called the Mekon, um, who's basically just a giant head, tiny little body, right? Because he's all brains. Um, and he's always got plans to take over the the galaxy or the solar system and Dan Dare is always fighting him. Um, so this idea of like 
the 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 Ganymedians have servants who take care of their bodily needs, like turning pages in a book, unless they do that with their tongue, right? Or touching touching things and um and so I thought that was really weird. Like <laughs> well uh, that's not a normal Philip K. Dick thing to make the aliens uh physically bodily uh so I don't know. Maybe it is a Philip K. Dick thing. I just doesn't well, and now, but now you're making me think of um Deuce Iray and our main character mm. Tibor McMasters. Yeah, I Tibor. Think that's another collaboration. Yeah, but Tibor McMasters also has an analog in a in a straight up Philip K. Dick book, um, uh, Doctor Blood Money. Right there, this sure. the idea of the um, mutants and uh, people with uh, shortened limbs and stuff like that. So that's uh, uh, that I think makes sense as as a it's like one of the people you'd see in the in the asylum, right? You go to the asylum to get your electroshock therapy or your in this case your psychedelic uh, research therapy. Um, there's a flotation tank in here, right, where you get a, a drug taken and then you become a nothing, right? Philip K. Dick is really exploring that stuff in here. Um, but then we get all the political stuff that's related, right? So um, it says, uh, ostensibly a wick, W-I-K, or a worm kisser, i.e. one who serves the free serves the Ganymedians. Balkani is a complex man whose allegiances and motives are not easily discerned. Yeah, even by him, right? Indeed, Mechus's attraction to his ideas leads to the worm's undoing. I guess that's true. Other characters include a musicologist, Joan Hayashi. <laughs> a musicology, that sounds like something Phil Dick beat into, right? Whom Balkani unsuccessfully pursues, and Percy X, the black revolutionary who represents the only overt resistance to the worms. And then it says characterization is usually unusually weak for Dick. I don't think that's true. No, I don't agree with that. I mean, maybe it's a little weaker, but it's not unusually weak. Um, and the ultimate instrument instrument of the downfall is Dr. Balcani's hell machine, which distorts reality. Uh, and I want to talk to Will about that. Cannot sum up, summon up the reader, uh, the ontological confusion and terror that, derives from Dick's best work. So that review, I think, kind of is wrong, but also it gives a nice summary of what all the themes that are sort of floating around in the book. But, Will, what did you make of those scenes with um, with the guy, I guess he was one of the uh, Neeg parts, who is talking about his experience uh, on the battlefield and seeing guys' oh. legs disappear. Because yeah. I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> and then we get we get Robert E. Lee. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there, bud. Yeah, well, I think the... So, you know, the backdrop of this... Like, the other backdrop of this, other than, like, you know, like, the Black Freedom Movement is, of course, like, the Vietnam War and the Peace Movement, right? Um, I was thinking like, the Civil War, but keep going. Yeah, no, but I mean the backdrop for this book being written, right? It's like 1965. Sure, right? sure. For like this is like um, you have like these like alien worms who have like come to a place and are trying to like uh, suppress what's going on there, um, and like what's going to happen to them as a result of that. Um, 
so I, I think that's uh, I think that's some some backdrop there, and you have this. So this scene, I don't I really don't know what this scene where this guy makes friends with um, the like person who he meets from the illusion machine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. means. That's just uh, I mean maybe this is just like um, some of the like parapsychology that we got in there where it's like you know maybe everything kind of exists but we just aren't paying attention to it um which feels like i mean that sounds like a a theme from like modern fantasy almost right Mm -hmm. like um i don't know uh so that that's a good question what that might mean i uh I think he's just probably being a little ironic throwing Robert E. Lee into like all the fantasy characters uh, uh, running at the, uh, you know, kind There's of a lot of sex in there, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot of like the, the tiny lesbians pulling out people's face. Right. That, that scene was like very trippy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was good. Um, I want to tie the Robert E. Lee scene to something else in the novel where um you know, what's, uh, Gus is having these delusions of grandeur about how he's gonna, like, get the old Confederate, uh, like, money factory started and just, like, pay people pay to people. work for, yeah, uh, with, with this, like, money that he prints. Mm. Um, uh, so I think it's kind of like a, you know, a fantasy of the old South on the, on the same level as, like, what Gus is doing here. Maybe Sounds he's like showing you the- you know, the, there was also another money scene, um, maybe it's nearby that in the book where he's talking about what's on the money and it's not the queen and it's not the presidents. It's, it's like, uh, historical figures of science and literature, right? And, right, and yeah. that's actually like, if you go to a lot of countries now, that I, like, I think Euro, Euros are like that. Um, and, you know, they're trying not to celebrate. I say that's more the, yeah, I think that's more the, com- more the rule, not the uh, might be the yeah. Well, but yeah, for the states, it's weird, right? In Canada, we do the queen and prime ministers generally, and then there's some randos, like they they pick some person to represent, uh, you know, science or something. <laughs> but yeah, or they pick a historical figure. That's more common now. But in the states, it's always a president, right? Some. With, with except with, with, with Franklin and Hamilton, like half. Oh yeah, I guess Franklin's not a president, um, and, and Hamilton's not a president. Right? Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, father, I don't even know what Hamilton's on. What is Hamilton? On? What what denomination is Hamilton on? Ten dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's been a while since I, I've been there, but but the UN money is that the UN money that he's looking at that he's saying this is bullshit. Nobody has confidence in these people. And I'm like, well, that's, it's, it's actually a very interesting book. This book feels like it's much more appropriate for 2021 than a lot of Philip Gaedic stuff. Um, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense with the occupation and stuff, but on the other hand, maybe 2022 will prove, <laughs> prove something, <laughs> something different in that respect. But you see, like, there's a lot of those uh, free-floating Philip K. Dick parts, but um, who wrote that scene with with the the psychedelic scene? Is I don't think Philip K. Dick tried that much. I think he said he did LSD twice, right? Yeah, but it was with Ray Nelson. Was it? Oh yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. Ray Nelson said I that. Think- yeah, he was always trying to get him 
going. <laughs> uh, Philip K. Dick's pretty uh, like, I don't know about this. <laughs> no, try it, man. I think he tried it like three times or something or whatever, and they were, that was all with Ray Nelson. Yeah, so that makes sense. You're could it, this right. could be from that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's therapy. So, yeah, I... I I wanted to uh, ask Marissa, um, I've been thinking a lot about psilocybin lately. Uh, you've tried it, right? What, mm-hmm. well, what's the, uh, what's the uh, authenticity of the... <laughs> it's not exactly the same as, as the LSD scenes here, right? What's the authenticity of the what? Of, this, of the, uh, the drug scenes in this book. Except they're mechanically driven drug scenes, right? Are there, uh, yeah, I or is like a combination? pretty good, like... Um, all the stuff about like the social constructs and stuff mm-hmm. lifting off. I think that's really like accurate for, you know, lowish doses or medium mm. doses. Mm-hmm. And then all the hallucination stuff feels pretty good too. For yeah. I guess it's hallucin. It's, it's interesting. Cause I want to know like what, when we, if this was a sequel to the man on the high castle, the Japanese are the Japanese, right? <laughs> That's who they are. But in this case, there is no Ganymedian op- occupation of Tennessee and the rest of the planet, right? So right. as a metaphor, I don't think it, it makes any sense. Unless it's like, um, it's just the man. <laughs> like, I was trying to figure out... the Another way of looking at science fiction is not a, through the hard SF lens, but rather as it's a... It's a criticism of society. And it's not a, you know, this is not supposed to be a prediction book, right? Even if right, it is right, set in the 21st century. It's really about today. Yeah, and it's about analyzing today through a lens that's more, um, more likely to get past your preset, preset ideas about something. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, the, the Ganymedians are like, just sort of, maybe that's Philip K. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> unable to finish this book, right? And then <laughs> Ray Nelson is like uh, Percy X and, and, you know, trying to make the thing happen. And I don't I don't know if that makes any sense, but it... it I'm not quite following you, but... Yeah, well, I, you know, when you read the Philip K. Dick book, uh, often he has an idea in mind, like um, in case of Man High, Man in High Castle, it is about not just what is real, but what is authentic? What is, what does authenticity mean? Right. And finding authenticity with, um, uh, galactic pot healer. It's about, it's about meaning and, uh, work. Right. Uh, do Android stream electric sheep is about, um, identity. Humanity. Yeah. Identity, I would say, um, and uh, empathy. What's this book about? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know the answer, but I, I know there's uh, something going on. Uh, well, what about these? Like, psych- maybe this can help us get here, and maybe not. What about? So. I know that psychiatry is like a big theme in Philip K. Dick's work, yeah. Uh, and so we we don't have to belabor that. But like, so like, what about these psychiatrists who are like basically trying to control everything? Yep. And like, like the so like the only 
like free people in the world are these partisans up in the hills, right? Right. Um, like truly. And they like want to turn them into little more than a symbol by like having one of them die in like a Christ-like way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to manipulate people. We know that these people are sinister to the extent that like, I mean, I think it's a pretty heavy scene where a, a psychiatrist beats a woman to death with yeah. uh, like a bust of Freud, right? Like, yeah. Well, like, he, he beats, he beats a robot to death, right? But he doesn't know that. Right. Like, like it allows us to beat Joan Hayashi to death while right. having her continue to be in the novel. Right. Um, it, it, I it really don't think it matters that she's a robot. Um, well, I think uh, robot is kind of like, it, and, and Link, remember Lincoln's in here too. That's another Philip K. Dickism, but the, the robots are not robots, right? In Android's dream of electric sheep, robots are people. Um, yeah. they're, they're kind of people that are, have an inability to, to empathize with others. So when she's uh, being beaten there, she has no emotions, right? He says, take off your shirt. You know, that does. And what, what does he say over and over again? He says, this is boring. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, but uh, I mean, my point is like, like, there's not a point where the like the psychiatrist in the novel are like acting in a way that's like particularly benevolent. Like, no, like the most benevolent one of them is Paul Rivers and he does kill Percy X. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, we're like, so like the, like the, like free person is killed by the psychiatrist. Mm. I think, I think you're on to something here. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's not many benevolence. Like psychiatrists in his novels. No, the, the novel I'm thinking of that if you haven't covered yet, you really should. Um, it's We Can Build You. Mm. It actually covers a lot of this, a lot of similar ground. Or if you have a what kind of psychiatry is central to it? You have the Lincoln. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did that. Let me look. Have, you have. Yep. Uh, um, but you have this psychiatry being the main means to control in a society. And that one, even way back though in um, what's that novel? Balkan's Hammer. Mm-hmm. Where good all the political deviants are sent to basically the, the mental asylum. Yeah. He's got mental asylum planets. And- I'm trying to think of a, of a of a positively framed, uh, a, psychi- a psychiatrist character, a psychologist character framed positively in one of his novels. Yeah, he's very distrustful of them. Well, it's an institution. Maybe in, like, <laughs> maybe Phil Al- Albemuth or something like that. Mm, I haven't read that one. By the way, um, for Marissa and Paul to remember, yeah. um, mm-hmm. That that A. Lincoln Simulacrum book, a.k.a. We Can Build You, that's the one uh, yeah. where we talked about Philip K. Dick's bathroom uh, with the tiles. Oh, right. Right? Okay. Uh, that his wife was building. Wild. It's mentioned in the book, yeah. so um, it, that, it depends on, uh, you know, on the um, uh, Dickhead's podcast, they talk about uh, uh, Divorcepedia. <laughs> They have a keeping track of what wife he's married to and who's he, who he's <laughs> currently getting divorced. Um, I don't know, uh, Ray Nelson's, I think he was, a, I think he's a widower. So I don't know how many people he married, but 
I also think maybe that that's why I'm not so clear on what the theme is, is because we're not getting one person's psychology. We're getting two. And, and then, you know, like in Philip K. Dick's general writing, the reason I think he doesn't like a book when he goes back and read it is it, he's not in that headspace anymore. You know, like, like how did, how did I think that? Wow. That's a weird way to think. Because, you know, time goes by and you're not so resentful and angry anymore. <laughs> right. And, and not to mention, given his, given his course of his life, Bill Kittick thought different things at very different times and very differently. So it's like, like yeah. how did I remember that? He doesn't recognize, he doesn't, he's a little unbounded by himself. He doesn't recognize his previous incarnation, as it were. Yeah. And uh, so I, I feel like part of, part of what's going on here is, is it's a little less clear about its idea because it isn't one person's idea. But uh, there's some amazing scenes in here. But like I don't I don't I don't know why it's set in Tennessee. I don't I don't know anything about Tennessee. Is Ray Nelson from Tennessee or anywhere near Tennessee? No, I think he's not. Um, uh, he did. Uh, live in California for most of his life. I, I, I think Tennessee, because this way you could have, I mean, given the terrain, I will we, we'll mention this, and given that you wanted to have African Americans as the main characters, that seemed to be the logical kind of place. But to stick it in Appalachia, if you wanted to have African Americans as main characters, and you wanted a terrain which is not so easy to uh, to hold and conquer, you got to go with Appalachia, so you wind up with Tennessee or an adjacent state. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more of like Tennessee as a myth symbol rather than like a rational place to put mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't think that Til- Philip K. Dick has a like deep understanding of Tennessee and, and so wrote. No, yeah, I don't and, think he does. Yeah, and if he did something like, say, the Piedmont of North Carolina or South Carolina or Virginia, you'd get a lot even more weird Confederacy put in than Tennessee does, and so that those would. Tennessee's a really Confederate state, Paul. It is very Confederate. But but I I think in the general mindset, Tennessee, when when you talk about the Civil War to the general person, Tennessee doesn't get as much as the rest of the Deep South. Yeah, so Ray Nelson was born in New York and moved moved to California uh, as a kid, I'm pretty sure. Um, He went to the University of Chicago. Um, Philip K. Dick spent time in Colorado and and, uh, he was born in D.C., I think. I moved yeah, to California. Yeah, Castle has scenes in Colorado, has lots in Colorado, and yeah, there's a, and he's a California boy. He's Orange County and mm-hmm. and um, Bay Area, right? So I, I don't know why. I think it must be some, maybe somebody went there for a science fiction convention or something. <laughs> um, I think you're being a little bit generous, Jesse. I uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it. a backward part of it's. It's like a part of the country that is backward. So we were writing about it for that reason. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it didn't. It didn't. Or uh, like, maybe, 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 maybe Phil K. Dick read about the Tennessee Valley Authority and that charmed him. <laughs> but Evans' theory made sense as well, right? That it's just like a from the Man in the High Castle kind of placement as well. Yeah, sort of. I mean. I, I feel like it's mostly set in space, you know, like uh, wh- wherever the uh, the Ganymedians are, they're not like on the streets. <laughs> they're in their plush, yeah. pleasure palaces, right? And there's a lot of offices, but mostly we have a girl flying around in in cars and and uh, people camping in the woods. But it's uh, I don't, yeah, 
Yeah, a bit of Norway. Oh yeah, yeah Norway. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Norway, where the like, where, where the asylum is. Again, yes. yeah. Yeah, why and why Norway? Okay. <laughs> I like I like when he whoever it is leaves the asylum and everybody's speaking Nor- Norwegian. It makes it problem. <laughs> oh, and memorizing and they, and, they, and they leave the duplicates behind. Doing the password, and... doing the password, um, not by by listening to their thoughts, but rather seeing it through their eyes on the doors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, I believe Philip K. Dick was briefly institutionalized, but more importantly, he had his wife institutionalized briefly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that's gotta be like, you know, like I've never been in a house fire, but I imagine if I was ever in a house fire, that'd be like something that, uh, it's like, uh, your adrenaline gets up and you're worried for your life and you're worried about dying and thinking of all your things burning up. It's like an important impact on your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that if you ever, uh, were committed to an asylum, you would probably have a similar thing. It's like, but I don't feel like I don't, I don't know who's, who's doing what in here. And that's kind of weird because when normally I read Philip K. Dick, I like this is all Philip K. Dick's thoughts, and I don't feel like it's it's a little muddier here. And the the it's commitment just, scene here is very like it's just like an interlude, also. Yeah, the, uh, most of the time I don't feel like I'm anywhere. Uh, it's mostly dialogue. I feel. I I think it is mostly dialogue, but that's normal. For Philip K. Dick, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's not out of the ordinary. But it's also, I think it's it's like I, that's why I like Man in a High Castle is it, it has a lot less of that. It's a lot more. Um, we're on the road. This is what this shop looks like underneath the glass. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know. And yet, it also it has all those themes, which is like I want to be able to commune with another person for reals. <laughs> and then uh we get that temporarily maybe and then they say fuck it let's blow up the planet <laughs> <laughs> i was like whoa that accelerated quickly because like what would be the point what would be like if you see it as like the japanese occupying you know western united states what's the point of that uh, it's, you know, to dominate trade, right? But then we get this, the, the Japanese equivalent becoming interested in the novelties of American culture in the same way. Right? And, and, and people trying Which to take advantage are of Man in the High Castle. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's the, yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a parallel. That's the parallel. And, 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 and then getting, getting basically rooked in the process, which is, which, which says something about, you know, like, about maybe maybe folks had this experience where he got sold sold uh, tourist trap stuff and didn't like it. So like I'm now going to write about authenticity and mm. and artifacts on, on a tri- on a trip because this, this thing is not a real. It's a, it's it's a fake tchotchke. Definitely. Um, I believe this is um Nelson's first book, first novel, as well. Like he, he has a much, uh, 
extended com- career. He's uh, he's three years younger than Philip K. Dick, but he has a much extended career. He's writing into the nineties, right? Um, just because he's living a lot longer. But he didn't start writing uh, novels and and in, in, even fiction, I think, until a lot um, later. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't give a date for Perdita, so I don't know if that was before the Academy Takeover. But then you have Blake's Progress, Beggars Could Ride. His Echolog. first, his first story is sixty three, which is you know five yeah. years four and eight o'clock in the morning. His second story is is the same year, sixty three. His greatest story, which if listeners don't know, that's the inspiration for They Live. It is. It's a great story. And, and, well. and, so, and so after so they live, I had to. I had to go and find the story. I mean, the story is very different. It's about as different from the movie as, say, We Can Build You Wholesale is different from Total Recall. But, you know. Yeah. I dealt. I dealt with it. Did you say We Can Build You Wholesale? Yes. We Can Build You is a different book. (laughs) We can remember it for your wholesale. Remember You Wholesale. Thank you. My apologies. Yes. We Can Remember You Wholesale is is different from Total Recall. Uh, Both of them have we, though. As you pointed out, that's in, <laughs> that's in this book, right? Uh, there's a lot of we and not mm-hmm. I about the responsibility, right? And even oh, the other day, I was I was talking about it. All goes back to mistakes were made rather than I am responsible for us getting yeah, a, they, into yeah, that war. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it's imp- it's uh, somebody made the decision. It's the president, like. Philip K. Dick often has a character who's the president, right? And here we've got a guy who wants to be the king. What's up with that? He says, I, I, I'm going to buy some uh, time on television. And then the cards are changed. And he says... Or, uh, well, or, he, changed, or he wrote his own cards. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, I, 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 you I should elect me. Self-sabotage. You should... You should. <laughs> it is a, a pretty funny self-sabotage scene. But he says... Um, I should be in charge because I'm a clown. Wait a second. <laughs> I'm a clown? <laughs> but he read it anyways, oh, right? Oh, oh, Jesse, have you have you ever heard of the story of Emperor Norton? Yeah, of course. So I, th- I think that's where, where what Dick was channeling. Yeah, well, he does, he does have this idea of the news clown, the TV news clown, right? Uh, Breslin, I think, is the, is the black... Uh, President of Earth in one of his novels. Well, it wasn't even that long ago we did it. Um, uh, it's the one with the boobs in space. <laughs> um, it's a space yeah. orbiting, space orbiting brothel book. Oh. Or space, space brothel. Space? The crack in space. Yes. Right. <laughs> Breslin, right? And they have the TV news clown, uh, who That's becomes right. the president. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, yeah. looking at people on TV, um, today, you'd be hard pressed to find one who isn't a, a news clown. <laughs> um, Tucker Carlson comes to mind. <laughs> well, they're all over all the networks, but t- TV is no, right. No, I was just picking one at random. I don't know if this was to talk politics on this show, but I had to. No, I, I'm in favor of talking politics. It's just, I, that, that wouldn't have been the first one I picked. Um, in any case, uh, the ones that, you know, go from being game show hosts to actually being presidents, this is a thing now. Anybody can be president if he can be president, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
And it's not like everybody says, hey, like I was thinking maybe at the end of that speech, maybe they would, they'd make him king anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. get that sense? Like that, uh, maybe that's not how it was supposed to be read in the sixties, but that's how I'm <laughs> Why not him? He's at least as honest. <laughs> he says, I'm a useless clown. You shouldn't elect me. You shouldn't make me king. <laughs> I'm a racist slob. Yeah. A racist slob vote for me. Oh God, that does sound contemporary, doesn't it? Yeah, but they don't. They don't say I'm a racist slob. They say I. They say um, I'm a simple guy, um, and that has lo- large appeal, right? As opposed to you know, I'm this intellectual uh, that, that, superior that, that, to you. That makes me think of um, that movie uh, with Claude Aiken's face in the crowd. Where I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen. You've that never one. seen Face in the Crowd, Jesse. I've never seen Face in the Jason- Crowd. Jesse, you need to see Face in the Crowd. It's basically about this country singer, drifter guy who basically rises to political power. Okay. It's it's not it's 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 not quite because it's Andy Griffith. Um, I know. So who yeah. He is. So basically, he he uses nativism and racism and uh-huh. telling it like it is because he's a man of the people to basically gain gain power and and. Uh, Sounds like a influence. very American story. It is a very American story. It's from 1957. It is an oh, amazing, wow. it is an amazing movie, and you should all watch it. Will, Will, have you not seen Face of the Crowd yet? I haven't. I haven't seen a lot of movies. Okay, because it, I mean, because it's set in the South, so and then that sort of backward sort of place. I mean, I think it's Arkansas, not Tennessee, but I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it is Arkansas. Just look it up. Rural Arkansas jails where. Where he, where our main character from the movie, uh, Larry Rhodes is, uh, found and brought to, uh, power and influence. What's it, you know, that meme, uh, it's not even a meme on purpose. It's just what people say on Twitter. They say, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> yeah. This does bring us back to the psychiatrist though, because like, you know, the guy I'm a gives, sick like, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the story ends with, like, you know, the guy gives his speech and, like, the psychiatrists, like, you know, give him the data to humiliate him and then are like, like, so the psychiatrists, like, kill Percy X and then are like, okay, we're going to set you up, man. Wow. I'm just like, but, like, I'm not saying that, like, like, if you're looking for, like, a thread, like, they're mm-hmm. in every part of the novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, doing something sinister. There's a lot of sinister stuff going on here, but it feels, like, very, like... It's like light. Slapdash. Yes. Well, no, it feels like it's just, like, it's not... It's like, yeah, yeah, I smashed your head in, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you can take it as, as being uh, a horror, but when Philip K. Dick wants to make you feel horrified, you can feel it, right? He's really good at yeah. it. Um, and I don't feel like there's any horror in here as much as, like, oh, that, oh yeah. I mean, we knew we knew she was a robot before he did, right? What's that? We knew he was she was a robot before he did. She's. Uh, I, I I agree with uh, Marissa about the skinning people, though. That was pretty nasty. That, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that, that that was part of where it's a. It's a not a lot of nasty talk. Like uh, the black uh, blacks are called bucks, right? There's yeah. um. Uh, Toms. Tom, uh, Tom's, Tom's, but see, Tom's, that is a little more legit because they're Uncle Tom's, right? They're, they're sell, sellouts. It, yeah, but, yeah, but Jesse, 
especially here in, in the states, that that's a very loaded word. Yeah, even but, even it's called accurate. It's still like it's 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 kind of pointing, putting a finger in the eye. But the skinning part is probably the worst. <laughs> well, that the, the, oh, okay, yeah, I get pelted. Yeah, that I mean that yeah. that's crazy stuff. <laughs> but I do agree with what um, Jesse was saying. Like even the skinning people and the pelts, like it's horrific. It's but he doesn't ridiculous. Like, go there. No, it's ridiculous. I mean the the talk is. I mean, I guess it could be considered horrific, um, but it's just not, it's all talk. Yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's like cut with the worm talking about how like good it would feel to roll around on the pelt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, like funny. Yeah. He's, yeah. he doesn't have any arms. Come on. <laughs> he is disappointed that he doesn't get the pelt. Like, uh... Yeah, no, these are weird thoughts for sure. Um, but he's also, he's also, he's also the bad guy, right? Kind of. (laughs) It definitely feels more like cartoon. Yes. Yes. It's much more zap gun than a lot of other stuff, I think. Yeah. He's, he's, he's saying, I don't, well, they're saying we don't need to uh, take this too seriously. I think, I don't know. It, it it's not one of the the books that makes you go oh my god you got to read Philip K Dick, it's more like oh yeah I guess this is I, but there's some great scenes that uh, taxi scene mm-hmm. and I think there's the room the hotel room is great right yeah you you're trying to escape from this place she's looking out the window <laughs> 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 don't try and dodge out on the on me I need to make a living here <laughs> no and, and that felt that felt like um. The uh, the apartment in which Phil K. Dick novel where he basically got to pay to escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it's very it's very quoted in sort of like problems that in the future that you wouldn't have. It's like oh yeah you you have to pay you pay me to get out of the out of the out of the apartment. And I was reminded of that Richard Morgan uh, book Altered Carbon with the the hotel that's uh, Jimi Hendrix Hotel. Yeah, and oh, yeah, well, obviously yeah, the yeah. Poe one in the TV version yeah the power in the tv version but i've not watched season two of that show so i don't know how good how how it continues as i knew you weren't either you because no. i know you, you watched season one both of you I no i didn't finish the second book i don't think or if i did i didn't th- do the third so i didn't like the books as much as the tv show but i only watched the first season yeah the first books it, it's good good some good stuff in it it's uh, idea filled Right, the sleeves thing. Which, which is, you know, you love, you, you love in your science fiction. You want your ideas. I, that's what I need. It, it is a literature of ideas. <laughs> it is yeah. a literature of ideas. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that may be changing, right? That's what I'm kind of, uh, so it, the ideas in here are, I think, um, not potent. They're interesting, but not potent. But I, I get the sense that it's become like a, more like a g- regular genre of late. And I know that's not completely true because there's still exceptions. But as when people think science fiction novels today or science fiction fiction today, I think they're thinking more like what Netflix produces, uh, which is uh, like I don't think there's very many science fiction ideas in most of those science fiction shows mm. right like they're, they're you know here's a premise and it's like okay yeah but you haven't you haven't you're not you spending any time in the science problem, Jesse. 
It's really long, I hear. It is really long, but I think you'd like it, Jesse. I think this is a Jesse book. I need to be yeah. sold on it. Speaking of which, I believe uh, Will's going to try and sell me on an Alan Quartermain book. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I want to sell you on this Alan Quartermain book, or we should just agree to do Eric Bright Eyes. I really like uh, the idea of Eric Bright Eyes, but I've, I, I think I read it, and I was not wholly enchanted by it, but I do like Viking stuff. But you know what I noticed about it is Vikings are fucking stupid. Like, they're dumb. <laughs> so are we? Are, yeah, they are dumb. Are, so we're done with the show now, and we're just talking. I don't know. Are we? Uh, are we done? Uh, we can be done, if you like. I think we're done. Paul says mm-hmm. we're done. Evan? Cool. Evan? Yeah. How's your mom? Uh, this, is, this is a novel I really need to go back to with the print version. Like, newer, like I don't normally listen to Philip K. Dick novels audio i i normally right. read them and then like i i write a lot of notes um, right maybe this was like i was oh. writing about Bill Pick and i podcasted on him so this is probably only the second or third Bill Pick novel that i listened to short stories that's a different story they're they're short stories but because they're so there's so much going on. In there are a lot. You actually do I'm need to make notes. Dumb. I actually have to write stuff down. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do it. So the reason that I barely finished this is because I was listening on the audio and got about halfway through and I just was losing track of everything and I had to mm-hmm. go back and like read yeah. the text version and it was so much better reading it and I feel like I'm comfortable with the first half of the book now. Mm-hmm. I kind of had to speed read the second half. So I think like, it is I'm really good. Like a novel like the Simulacrum, I, I could, I'm, I'm sure I could listen to that as an audiobook if they have one. I guess they, mm-hmm. they do. They do. But this is one I, of the few they don't normally. But I, that I had to have the text version too, because mm-hmm. there's so many characters and so it's a short novel and so many things going on. These books are really well packed, especially in the '60s. I think yep. in the in the seventies, there's more sprawl. Later on, in the seventies and eighties, they are—they're not as good, I think, but they're not as interesting. But they have more of like a very clear narrative and fewer characters. It's not as busy. Yeah, this one does like quick fire character changes as well. So, like mm-hmm. in the audio, if you don't, if you're not paying attention for like one second, you're in another character without even yeah. realizing it. Like. Yeah. Which is very not modern, right? No, not at all. I think modern books are much more technically better. Um, problem is, are they as idea fact? Is my question. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. So Eric Bright Eyes. Um, I haven't read Eric Bright Eyes. I've, I'm pretty sure I've read, read it or listened to it a long time ago. Um, it's very different from the other H. Ryder Haggard I've read. Is uh, it about doom and joy and sorrow? I think, it, I think it's like it's like um, it's a it's an adventure and revenge and that sort of thing. But it's also like 
Um, it's also like trying to be a Norse mythology, not mythology, Norse story. So maybe his, like, I, you know, you sort of get the idea of an author's voice. I feel like he's different in that book than he is in other ones. Oh, okay. The adventure is there, but like Alan Quartermain, uh, I feel like he's sort of in charge. Whereas Eric Bright Eyes is more like he's the dumb blonde who <laughs> goes around doing what the witch tells him to do and getting tricked. Okay. But, but I'm yeah, going so, by memory. I, I, I want to so, do the Alan Quartermain novel, though. Okay. She, so Alan, she so and Alan? Alan is, no, it's not she and no, Alan. It's I had Alan's, Alan's wife. wife. So it's um. So let me let me give the the pitch of this novel. Mm-hmm. It's so it's like, so this isn't like a good novel to like learn real facts about Zulu people. Like that's <laughs> like the like you know we have to like put that in front of every Alan Quatermain novel. Um, uh, the uh, you know so what I think is good about this novel is it's like, you know it's like kind of short. Um, it that's good. Uh, captures a lot of the main themes that I really like in a Rider Haggard, which are just sort of like, um, the uh, like the world is kind of a miserable place, uh, but there's a lot of like wondrous things in it. You, um, you haven't mentioned the baboons kidnapping Alan's wife. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, I'm getting there. So it's it is it, like I think it's a pun- it's a punchier adventure novel than like a lot of other um, Alan Quartermain novels because it's like shorter. And like, so usually it's like Alan goes to some fictional country and then like he gets caught up in some kind of war that he's ambivalent about. Um, And in this, like it's much like it's much more deeply felt, but he's like in a war with baboons. (laughs) Um, um, So what happens is, you know, Alan Quartermain is a young man. Um, You know, his like we get like a little bit of his life in England, like his like mom and his brothers die. So his dad is like, let's move to South Africa. Um, And, uh, you know, when his dad dies, he decides to go on an adventure in South Africa. And this like witch doctor comes with him and he ends up in this fictional country where he meets this woman. And what's exciting is this woman is like friends with a baboon woman and like there's just all kinds of theories about this baboon woman about like how she came to be like is she just like a person that was raised by baboons and is like she's so baboon like for like different reasons um and like you know so alan quartermain has to like fight all these baboons in the story but what i really like about it is just the the philosophy in it is there's lots of just like waxing about like how like you know like if you're gonna be happy you're also gonna be sad and it's like related and uh if there's like you know when you die it's sort of like raindrops falling and then they go back to the sea um there's just lots of just so the water cycle it's a science fiction book (laughs) yeah well yeah no and it's really like alan quartermain is great because he like it's like clearly a fantasy novel but like two witch doctors will have a fight where like they like cause lightning to shoot at each other and like like the lightning will take the form of like a giant and Alan Quartermain will be like, I'm not sure whether that's supernatural or not. I'm just, you know, not convinced. So um this is not the first in the series, right? This is no, no, somewhere in the middle. Like this was back when like I feel like 
I feel like series weren't put together sequentially back then. No, he he's one of the people who made a series into a thing, right? There's Oz, there's him, uh, that is... Um, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock, yeah, but that's later. Sherlock Holmes is no, quite... Kind of at the, isn't he kind of at the same time as... Uh, you might be right. What's the first yeah. Sherlock Holmes book is uh, Studying Scarlet, right? In Scarlet. I guess uh, there's the New and Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> the old, the old, yeah, the new and old. That's uh, 1887 first study in Scarlet, and uh, there's like four Tom Sawyer novels. Yeah, that uh, makes sense too. Yeah, I mean, having uh, repeated characters, but this is where it all comes from, and um, definitely yeah, it was but, in the uh, air. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a great fit for like. I'm like into it because of the like the baboon woman. There's also yeah, some like, like interesting like like Victorian like explorations of like uh like uh homosexuality by other means in the story. <laughs> like the, the baboon the, no, the baboon woman is queer. Uh, but like she's evil. And like she's evil because she's queer. Well, <laughs> Not only is she a baboon. She's also a queer baboon. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really, like, it's, like, really, a, like, I mean, like, it's, like, a really interesting novel, but I don't know if it's, like, I don't know if, like, like Have you finished really it? Want it? Oh, yeah, I finished it, like, okay. earlier this week. All right, so you're, you're, you're saying maybe it's not for us. Yeah, but, like, yeah, that's why I was saying, like, maybe Eric Brighteyes is better, because, like... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm thinking less about Eric Brighteyes, just because I, I remember being him being a dumb character and I, I don't like I don't like it when characters are stupid like when I'm I like it I, I like when a character uh has me trying to keep up intellectually rather than me trying to like come on buddy you can do this <laughs> it's just sad um see I, li- I like Alan Quarterman because he's like clever but he's like depressed clever but yeah depressed. that's fine yeah, yeah, like yeah that's smart. What's good about him. He has he's a like, lot weighing on him. I yeah, mean, the way like I, yeah, he's like his wives are always dying. He's always being like assaulted by baboon women. He's like, so you're making it sound countries. good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bizarre. So you're making it sound really good. Yeah, no, I mean it is real. Like it was like a really good. Re- like I'm really interested in it. Like cause, and it's short. Like, like it's short. It's got the feral man. That like it's like. It's like the the feral woman story about. I mean, have you ever heard of a story where there's a character who is like a woman who was raised by baboons? No. Oh, so she's not. I see. I had in my mind that she was a, like half baboon. <laughs> oh no 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 no. She's like a, she was a. I should have been clearer about that. So she's kind of this like Tarzan character. Is right. I'm interested in her. Right. Is like she's like. So she's like a child who was raised by baboons. Nice. But she has like. Um, she's described as having like the strength of 10 men and she has like, you're, like all you're doing like, is selling it right now. Well, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. But she's described as like having the strength of 10 men. Um, she like has like baboon like features and like, there's like, like what I like about like, like Alan Quartermain novels, like they always want to like make things like not one way or another way. They give you like, options. so like, <laughs> yeah, they give you options and it's like, um, you know, like, 
so some of the white people are like, oh, maybe she's like the missing link. Like, I don't know. Maybe like, it'd be smarter she... just to go with King Solomon's Mines. I'm not, I, I'm not obsessed. Oh, have you not done that one? No, like, no. You guys did she, right? Yeah, we did a she. Novel here. Oh, oh, yeah, she you, you should do King Solomon's Mines. She That's and a Alan. One. She there's, and... There's, a, there's a novel that brings Aisha. Yeah, but why do we want to do an, uh, you know, uh, why do we want to do uh, a series? See, that's not a series; it's a crossover. I get that. I get that. But it's a crossover, two different series, right? So, if you do King Solomon's Mines, that's the first one, right? He didn't know I'm going to be writing a series. He just said I'm writing a book. But it, it's less of like an Alan Quartermain series, and more like there's like a bunch of stories that are about Alan Quartermain. It's mm. not like this is Alan Quartermain number one. Now you need to go read Alan Quartermain yeah. number two. I get like, that. I get that. But I'm. I just. I. I feel the trap of series so so much that I. Yeah. I, w- I was just thinking about series in you because I was I was watching just before the we started doing this. I was watching this video essay about Stephen King's vampires. Right. I saw that YouTube video. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I, I sent you the text on this. Okay. He he's he's talking. He's like. This book is a little overwritten. This is the this is just someone doing the normal critique of, of Stephen King, right? Mm-hmm. Stephen King's over Salem's Lot is now overwritten. No, he said it was. And then, like two sentences later, he said, "You know, this really should have been a, a trilogy or a series." Wait, man, how do you score that? So I really thought of you. It's like, yeah, this is this is modern writing now, right? Where we just assume things should be series. Yeah, so it should be. The extended universe. <laughs> Even Stephen <laughs> King fell into that later on in his career. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a, it's a I kind mean, of yeah, pathology. I mean, the, whole dark, the whole Dark Tower is basically him trying to tie a lot of his fiction together into a extended universe. Hence, yeah. me not wanting to read it. I, I no, I, you gotta. It's good. I, I had a really good t- time with Rage, and I think we did a really good jo- show on that uh, Roadwork. Who was on Roadwork? Paul, were you on I Roadwork? Was. Yeah. Um, I thought well, that was a really interesting book. Or revival. Revival. We could do revival. I'm up for I that. It's on the list. Yeah, but it's not on the schedule. I'm is working it? on downloading the audiobook. Is it on the schedule or is it on the list? Yeah, it's not on the. So, oh, by the way, there's two empty slots coming up. That's why we need to be talking Je- about Je- this. Jesse, by the way, I'm mm-hmm. going to be at a online convention the weekend of the 20th now as a panelist, so I can. And my panel is on Sunday morning, so I cannot do Rolling Stones. Oh, okay. June. Oh, well, you're yeah. not listed. Oh, it says not available. I, I took okay. myself off. Oh, okay. All right. Which um, makes me sad. I really want to do the Rolling Stones, but yeah. But they said, Paul, you want to be a panelist on this panel. Like, okay. It's like, yeah. Sorry. I've been doing a lot of I that. like Jesse more. <laughs> what's that? What, you should have just said, said sorry. Panel, Paul. What's that? It, it's it's going to be a panel on Lois McMaster Bujold's The Trist of Chalion. Mm. Oh, I've read it. For the Nebulas? Um, no, it's just it's it's just a local convention here that we're doing virtual called Fourth Street Fantasy that we do every year. It's a small convention about two hundred people. This oh, year we're nice. doing it virtual. Cool. So yeah, I, I, I like I've that. Gone book. To, I've gone to it for years and I've been on panels every so often. And yeah, they wanted me to be on this panel because I provide a reader perspective because I read everything. You do. That's what they told me. So you do. In fact, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't, I, not, I don't know how it's possible, but you do. Uh, hey, Jenny, what do you think? We, what, what do you think we should do, Marissa? Yeah, I think we should do 
Tim Powers <laughs> that I've been asking for for ages. What? Which one? Um, I think we've got the Anubis Gates on there on the list. Let me just make sure I haven't done it already because it sounds really <laughs> no, no, but no, it's 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 listed in the topics below. All so. right, yeah. then it's probably not. Um, I know we've done a Tim Powers, but it was um. Not that. So let me just do a search here. Oh, really? We have done a Tim Powers, at least one. I was trying to get you to do a Robert Aikman at one stage as well. I guess we didn't. It's put all about uh, Declare, is what we did. For yeah, t- we did Declare. So yeah, I think the Anubis Gates. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you I'm, on this one. I'm okay on Anubis Gates. Um, I believe it's available as an audiobook. I think the other one you mentioned, Marissa, was not. What was it called? You just said uh, it. the Robert. Aikman. Aikman. Yeah, oh, yeah I th- you couldn't find any. Well, let me just look. Uh, which you were just saying the author rather than the specific yeah. book, right? I just want to read his stuff. Yeah, I was like, is it before excuse to read? Excuse to read. Yeah, something. yeah. I, I understand that. Let's I just have such a big list, so Aikman, I just end up I reading whatever I'm reading with other people. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, you really need excuses to read books, yo. That's really well, what well, you need. No, I don't need excuses to read. It's excuses for what to choose next well no no not to read in general but to read a specific book right yeah yeah what 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 did you say evan arnold be the scrivener still down here waiting to be i want to do that we just need an audiobook and a time and a uh i I assume it's on yeah yeah it should be it should be i'm sure there's several versions there's a robert aikman book called wine dark sea that's 10 hours, 48 minutes, and it's hmm. on Audible. It's exclusive. Um, uh, Wine Dark Sea is, I think th- that's the name of that, also the book that Paul, not Paul, Scott and uh, Tamahomey read. Um, yeah, well, Wine Dark Deep. Um, but that's a f- phrase from the Odyssey. But I don't know anything about this book other than it's by Robert Aikman. So, yeah, I'm gonna look it up. First published in US 88, it contains eight unsettling stories. Aha! Oh, that's the Wine Dark Sea is the first one. The trains, okay. Born in 1914, 1951. Problem with doing a collection of, of short stories is it's a collection. It's hard to do a show on a whole oh. bunch of things. But we don't have to do a collection. We could just pick one. Yeah, we absolutely yeah. could. Well, we did that. Uh, we did the. Yeah, we've done it a few times. Generally, I do the, that the, in order to score an audiobook. The cyber audio. pets that got. Yeah. People had sex with them. Yeah, but remember why? Why and how Ted that Chang. happened, right? Ted Chang. Yeah. Hopefulness. What was the name of that book? Um, it's called Stories of Your Life. Like others, yeah. Yeah. No, we. I wasn't on that episode. It was Let me look. All right. Go on with the the, the 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 portal. I remember every story, but Merchant like, in the Alchemist Gate is the one you're thinking of. If there's a portal, yeah. But what was the titular story of the collection? I thought it was Stories of Your Life. Chang. Stories of Your Life. Exhalation. Yeah. So we've done three. We did Story of Your Life uh, with Jesse, Paul, Marissa, and Misa. Understand. With Paul and Wayne and me, and exhalation stories. What's expected of us? Exhalation. That's yeah, exhalation stories. And the reason we did that is because uh, I I scored a free audiobook for us, right? Yeah. So my 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 whole point is to bring shit into the public for free. So that way, I I mean, it'd be nice to be able to get that from 
Audible, but Audible doesn't respond to my emails. Um, they don't care about what I I can do for them. <laughs> so, what you can do for them. What I can do for <laughs> them. And more importantly, I don't want to help them, but whatever. Um, if Downpour had it, then I would have a chance because they, they do give up shit. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a lot of luck from Audible, but yeah, Downpour did Exhalation stories, so we could get it from them. In any case, um, I'm up for it. We just sort of have to be more narrow. Uh, I th- we don't want to really do a, um, a, uh, whole collection for, uh, the show just because it's, it, it's very hard to stay, um, do a good show, I think. On multiple stories. On multiple yeah, stories. On multiple yeah, I like a short story. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. So if you want to pick one out of there, if you want to do the research, I can probably get the audiobook from uh, uh, the pirate site and get um. What's the idea here? Topic geography? Because I've been thinking a lot more about so uh, Lovecraft. And- yeah, so that that that's we just instead that's of like t- my big breakthrough doing the podcast because basically there's been nothing new except for i'd be good for paul because of his geography or something his interest <laughs> in like, accurate maps <laughs> or semi or interest in what, what, what maps, maps do and what they can't do yeah yeah like that like I, I from that to that what's that uh the, the rpg novel with uh they go back to the bio scene oh you, oh, you took oh yeah, the many colored land. Yeah, I think that came Julian up in our May. discussions. Of that oh movie, yeah, right? yeah. So. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure because I was talking about Pliocene geography and Marissa. And you good with the revival? Because that's um, oh, that's, that's great. That's King. Oh, what is that one? It's a Stephen favorite. King. Revival's awesome. It's a Stephen King it's book. A, like really gruesome death scene. It's got like weird mad scientist stuff. It's got, I mean, the annoying stuff is like. Stephen King is still obsessed with AA for some reason, and that's in here. But <laughs> whatever. You're you're a Stephen you King girl, right? So I, I was thinking that'd be good for you. Yeah. Um, my problem is anything that I book to do, I could probably only do a short story uh, May twenty third, and then after that, I am going to be pretty busy until late June. So late June is six twenty seven. That that's um, we can do a revival later because I'd like to like I have revival, but it's in Taiwan. I won't get back to Taiwan. We can do Bartleby the Scrivener early and do uh, revival on the twenty seventh of June. Does that work? Yeah, I could book that one in. All right. Why don't we put the twenty seventh for uh, Stephen King? Um, I'm putting Jesse, Evan, Paul. You on on the on the King right? Yeah, I figured. Paul, <laughs> uh, Will, I it's I don't know what's your. Get me on one of these. Are you are you a all. king guy? Um, I <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, I uh, I don't. What did I do? I asked you that last week. I asked you that earlier this week if you were a king guy. Me? Yeah, because I don't. I've never read anything by Stephen King. <clears throat> um. Well, time uh, time for you to break that. He's popular. <laughs> I I'm um I don't think I've read anything. No, he's popular, I'm... Jesse. He's popular for really good reasons. Yeah, I, yeah. No, he's a good writer. I don't think he's. Really I'm gonna put a question book. mark well, for Will. Let's break. Yeah, Will uh, Stephen King identity. Yeah, so <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there, Marissa. I'm glad. You did. <laughs> what What did you say, Marissa? We're gonna let's break your Stephen King virginity. Oh show. wow! Yeah, you're gonna get broken. You're gonna get wrecked. 
Yeah, I, I have to, so, so we're doing Bartleby the Scrivener soon. Well, we can. Yeah, I could put that on for Marissa if she wants to, unless she prefers not to. Put that on for me? What? What? Unless you prefer not to. Not to what? <laughs> Bartleby the Scrivener. Bartleby the Scrivener is about a guy who says he's at work and he says, his boss says, hey, uh, why don't you go ahead and send me those TPS reports? And he says, he says, I prefer not to. Oh. <laughs> and that's all he does. <laughs> he just says no. Except he never says no. He says, I prefer not to. That sounds great. It does. Is sound it great. Have a, it is a relatively short. Say again? So, single narrator audiobook of Marty yet. I believe not. Bartleby the Scrivener. It's not a. Sh- it's I think maybe forty minutes long. Let's see. Scrivener. I could do a short story on the twenty third. All right. Let's have a look. Um, all right. Hopefully, oh, I've got a lot of um, climbing mountains in the next few weeks because I'm going to try and climb. There's two versions. Fourteen thousand foot mountain you, and probably you're gonna die. You going to do a fourteener? Which fourteen are you going to try? Yeah, I'm gonna do a fourteener. Which one? In Mount Whitney. Oh wow, that's that's going in. Who go easy fourteener? It's a it, it, that's a tough one. Wow, I'm impressed. I know. Also jealous. So jealous, so, Paul. My, that's a uh, sin. My husband entered the lottery and didn't tell me, and then he was wow. like, "Oh, we and won a class to do it." Oh wow, <laughs> that that that's that's so great, Marissa. I love it. Um, so I'm so getting the next weeks it's practicing. about two hours or an hour and a half depending on the narrator is that all right yeah that sounds fine yeah just under two hours or an hour and a half i'll put that together um uh, i've i've never read it but i know all about it so i and it's melville which i'm a fan of uh all right so that's bartleby we'll add that for the 23rd you said right Bartleby, the Scrivener, by Herman Melville. And I'm adding Jesse, Evan, Paul, you're in for that? Yeah, absolutely. Marissa, Paul, uh, Will, are you a Scrivener? Uh, yeah. All right. I haven't read it since high school. So. But you've read it at least. Um, did it inform your choice to work in an office? Um, it. I should have read it as a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yes, same, same. And we put revival. Oh, yeah, Paul works in an office, too. Uh, revival. I work in an office, technically. I just It's my office. It's your office. Oh, I actually have a YouTube video about Herman Melville and wanting you to quit your job. Yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh, not cool. mostly about Barnaby the Scrivener. It's mostly about Marty typing. All right. So. I'm going to look for Marty again for you on LibriVox. Mar- yeah, I think there was two narrators, Marty Volume 1 and Volume but 2. But Omu is fine. Like, you, sh- you should be able to – there should be one for Omu. Yeah, that's a multiple narrator. Omu is just as good. Yeah, I don't think it's available, though. I think I looked at it. Omu is hard to spell as well. O-M-O-O. <laughs> O-M-O-O. Oh, there we go. Wait, so what what happened to the discussion about Anubis Gate? Oh, um, it got derailed. Oh, we're going to do that, too. Um, we can move that up. Well, let's, let's find well, a spot. But Marissa's hard to 
book for stuff until... Well, you don't have any bookings until July or the 30th of May, right? Uh, first, 4th of July is the first in July. So uh, July, I'm good again. Mm-hmm. Okay. July 11th. Put it in, Paul. Sounds good. Okay. I can do that. Uh, Umu is available. Um, read by Trisha G. Um, I'm going to sell it to Will. Oh, wait. Um, sorry, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we have to do a Saturday for Anubis Gates. That should work. um, what's his name? Scott. Scott. Getting everyone's names. I used to, um, uh, have classes on Saturday mornings. That's why we didn't do it then. But now Uh, I have, I have classes one day a week. Sad, sad story. I've I've turned into a vegetable chopper and a yard cleaner upper and a dog walker. So, Evan, Will, you're on for this? I've heard of this book. I don't remember what I know about it. I want to read it because Tim Powers was a good friend of Philip K. Dick, and I feel like they have some more weirdness. Introduction of Omu. This is a LibriVox recording. good enough. Umu, an adventure, a narrative of adventures in the South Seas. Will, I'm going to read this for you. You see, oh, you like it. Yeah. Umu, a narrative of adventures in the South Sea, is Herman Melville's sequel to Taipei. And as such, uh-oh, it's a series, we can't do it. As such, <laughs> was an autobiographical, <laughs> was also autobiographical. After leaving uh, Nuku Hiva, the main character ships aboard a whaling vessel which makes its way to Tahiti, after that, after which there is a mutiny, and the majority of the crew are imprisoned on Tahiti. The book follows the actions of the narrator as he explores Tahiti and the remarks on their customs and ways of life. So here, here's how I'm selling it to you, Will. It's a Planet Stories story. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're doing. Um, <laughs> do I need to read Type B before I read it? <laughs> Uh, you should read Taipei oh. because it's a good book. But I you should read Taipei. Yeah, the audiobook's yeah, on the podcast. I think that might be a sell for some people. Yeah, I mean, you can get added to that list of. Uh, no, it, it didn't come out in twenty twenty one, so it cannot uh, be added to that list. Well, be nice, Jesse. Just call it Boo Moo. Put a B and and, and trans- nice, gender flip nice. all the characters. Then it's it's a new book. Be, be nice to my friend Kai. And oh, it's Everlast. I, Much gayer than the other Belleville novel. Oh, gayer. I thought you were going to say it's gayer than all the ones on the list there. It's the queerest of them all. Gayer than all the ones on the list, too. Wow, that's pretty gay. Yeah. And it's an adventure? I mean, you got it. You got You know how, like, in baseball statistics, you have to adjust for different ballparks and different, like, <laughs> rules? Like, when the pitch is the No, I don't, but I'll, I'll take your word on it. You have to adjust the stats? We have to adjust the stats for Omu. All right. Omu is the gayest novel <laughs> from that list. Based guys, on the time. Can't believe the, you guys are saying this. It says, many sources incorrectly assert that Umu is based on Melville's stay in the Marquesas. The novel is, in fact, exclusively based on his experience in the Society Islands. I knew that. Tell me the difference between the Mar- Marquesas and the Society Islands. I can do that all day. I, I feel very lost. I feel very lost in this right. conversation. I can do that all day. I know exactly where both the Marquesas okay. and the well, Society <laughs> Islands all are. Like, I, it's all like, French Polynesia, but the Society Islands were more social. <laughs> there were more. The French, like the Marquesas, were like 
we own you, well, we're not going to even bother to put the flag there. We just claim you. <laughs> but this is not, like they're actually French people, like in the, in Tahiti. So one of them became a settler colony, and one of them didn't. Yeah, the side islands were settler societies. I'm good with it. Uh, so Umu, are we booking that too? Yeah, book let's it. do that. A, Don't book it. Yeah, but I'm fine. You can, but you can't have it on the 30th. That breaks your rule. Why? Has to be in July. Oh, uh, well, we can add more. Anubis Gates by no author. Wow. How dare you? Oh, I oh I, I didn't finish the thing. I can see that. I was listening to your conversation and finished writing. I'll allow it. Writing it. <laughs> I got it. Um, be nice. No, nah, I, I can't finish. be nice. That's boring. Be nice. No. Um. <laughs> End of discussion. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> be nice to me, Jesse. No way. That's not my job. I'm not saying be nice to me. I said just be nice in general. No. I didn't even no. Think it's- uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jesse. I'm mean. <laughs> kind of? But it's yes, cute mean. Jesse, Jesse's mean. He doesn't know how to read. He's never been to a movie theater. <laughs> He's a cannibal. <laughs> 24. Okay, so the 17th of July. Oh, no, that's June. 17th. Of, oh, okay, that's a Saturday. You need to put Saturday in front of it, Paul. Otherwise, I put Saturday. I put Saturday over. Oh, okay. I put Saturday, Saturday here. You have to put it oh, there. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, people will not I show up. Saturday on the right. I spelled okay. Saturday right. wrong. Okay. Sa- Saturday. Saturday. I think that's. I think that's correct. You, to me, you make mistakes. <laughs> I guess I should be a question mark for that because I don't know my like my. That's about when I'm going back to Taiwan. Put I a be back. put a question mark for Abba. There you go. Uh, Will, you're not on the wonderful adventures of Fra the Phoenician. Yeah, I I feel like I would need like I really want to be on that, but I don't know what my Fourth of July plans are yet. Right. Like I I think I can do it, but I can put a comma a question mark. Yeah, put a question mark on me. I definitely want that. I mean, I keep I feel I'll feel bad if I miss all of the Edward Lester Al Arnold, but then I also get to listen to the podcasts and just like be a person who listens. It's it's a it's a good thing. I think Paul should listen to podcasts instead of just being I on them. I listen to podcasts. I generally don't listen to podcasts. I've been on myself. I don't all. see you tweeting about podcasts other than other than the Skiffy and Fanti and SFF audio ones. Maybe maybe you I do don't hate really lessons. listens to a lot of podcasts. I I, I, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks. So yeah, that's of, true. That's so so. Yeah. I'm more I likely really to listen about the to history philosophy. A history of oh. philosophy without any gaps. Yeah, it's, Peter Adamson. It's, it's going to be my favorite podcast. It's a good podcast. It's just too long. <laughs> he doesn't leave well, any gaps. Either, well, would you prefer gaps? <laughs> That's how I was taught them <laughs> with lots of gaps. Would, uh, maybe, maybe there's some them. things that need to be left out. <laughs> and and the thing is. He admits this over the course of the podcast, but there are gaps. Of course there are. <laughs> He's a liar. And the problem is, is you don't know, like, you can start at the beginning, but by the time we get to the 20th century, nobody agrees what philosophy is. Right. Everybody. Oh, it, yeah. I don't know how you do modern It's philosophy. impossible. Like, got, he can't. Reformation. After, what, 10 years, he's gotten to the Reformation. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. In the he's never going to, he's never going to, it's never going to come up because he can't get there between 
between where he is now and where we are, there's too many things that could be considered philosophy. Right? Yeah. I mean, Philip K. Dick could be considered philosophy in a certain sense. Now, he doesn't seem to... I already... He doesn't like a lot of 20th century like continental philosophy. I, mean, I think part of his strategy is to die before he gets... <laughs> See? I knew he was going to leave some gaps. So, so what have we landed on for the 30th? Uh, the 30th of July? Of, of May. Uh, uh, of May. It's oh, there's nothing there. The Unless you want to do Umu there. Marissa will miss out on Umu. But that's two Melvilles. That's breaking a rule. Oh, ri- oh, right. Look at that. Yeah, yeah we, no. need to, we need to, we need to Space resolve the problem of, of the 30th before we keep vaulting into... All right. Into well, July. you know, the, we don't have to solve I it today. I still have Mr. Adam audiobook that I recorded. Yeah, why don't, why, why don't we do that? What's the name of the book? Mr. Adam. What's it about? So, the novel it was written right, like, in 1946. Um, Who's the author? Basically, every every male on the planet is sterilized except for one kind of douchey guy. It's a very like Evan book. Underground at the time, it's his secret Mr. desire Adam. to be the only man on Earth and, <laughs> and have he gets as out, much he's sex the as only, possible. He's the last man on Earth, essentially. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this sounds this sounds like a very Evan audiobook that you recorded. <laughs> it does. Who's the author? Any? What's the guy's name? Oh, I forgot. He's Did you write this book, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> Is this oh, your, like, Pat Frank. Novel? It's Pat Frank? Pat Frank. Pat Frank. And do we check the public, uh, the the copyright on this? I can't remember. It was public domain in, All right. in Canada. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's why I recorded Good, good. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll give you the... You've also got the Snake Woman one. That What? Oh, tell me about the Snake Woman. Snake Woman one? That's on YouTube. I'll be wrecking the snake woman I recorded. It's on YouTube. Oh. So, Pat Frank, uh, Mr. Adam. Bye. And then. But I don't think I'm a very good reader. Wait, you've got V for Vendetta on here. Uh huh. Didn't we do that? Could be. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember anything. I'm pretty That's sure we did that. Let me look. Vendetta. I remember reading the book. I remember watching the movie at one point. Vendetta. No. Um, that's by Moore, right? Um, yes. not not Alan Moore, but the other Moore, Stephen Moore. It has not been done. I feel like I've done it though. I've read the book. That's and seen the movie. So and read the comics. So that's probably all. Well, you haven't talked about it, so it's not real. It, uh, yeah, we probably did another Alan Moore, but maybe not. I don't know. You talk, talk about Alan Moore, but I don't think we've actually done Alan Moore. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I don't we know. We could do Jerusalem. No! <laughs> How about this? No! I don't need 60 hours. I have an audiobook for it. Yeah. Only 60 hours. Sell me on it later, okay? Did you, did you, did you read Jerusalem, Evan? I read Jerusalem, yeah. Did you read it twice, though? Nope. Was it worth your time? Um. Who else wants to do Mr. Adam? No. I do. It wasn't worth my time. No, you're not available, Paul. Oh, wait. Oh, is that, was that, was that, 
Oh, that's right. That that's the weekend I might go on vacation. Uh, I okay. might or might not. All I right. don't know. Well, we can Absolutely put a question mark. Paul, put question mark. Yeah, put me as a question mark. I mean, I'm really I'm ju- interested in. I I just I'm interested in like the novel that like Evan was drawn to record. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, Will's kind of like a stalker. But he's kind of cute, so you don't mind. Yeah, I like. I want like. I, I like want to know about like the stuff that people are into, right? Like, I. Right, I I'll definitely up. send this to you tomorrow. I thought I already sent it to you, Mister Adam. You may have, but uh, if I if I don't like, I, I I'm basically I'm I'm like a juggler who's got ten thousand things going. So I um I stayed up late and listened to like Marissa's this audio is the drama. Only thing I've ever read. So oh, wait, Marissa's audio drama is awesome. No, no, it's a different one. Disturbing. Um, so do Wait. you all know about this, this thing that Marissa did? She, um, Marissa, Marissa or Misa? Sorry. Misa. Yeah. yeah I, I did. Sorry, Marissa. Um, but, but so Misa, Misa was in this like audio film festival or not audio drama festival recently for like, it's like plays by women that have been forgotten or whatever. And she got this like medieval Christian play that was like the most death metal thing I have ever listened to. Wow! Um, like it's like this lady like takes her like three daughters to Rome to like get uh, essentially to get martyred, and like there's like there's like a scene where like a woman's nipples are cut off and through like a miracle like like milk gushes forth rather than blood. Oh my God. <laughs> And like, wow. like, and like, then there's like another scene where like another character gets disemboweled, but she like it smells like beautiful, like perfume. Um, and then they put like an eight year old child in a furnace, and it causes the furnace to like explode and kill five thousand people. It's just like wow. Misa like did like a really <laughs> death metal play, and I like I so I, I and I you know it's like not something I would have listened to if it weren't directed by Misa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but it was like worth listening to because it was just like totally brutal. Wow. But where can where can we find it? Or was it like a one? It was thing? like a one time. It was like you had to stay up to midnight and like, I guess you didn't oh, record it, huh? From Misa to get in. See, uh, I couldn't pirate that from her because I might get her in trouble. Yeah, I mean, also like it's not like I was listening to it thinking like Jesse wouldn't have liked this. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds pretty horrible. Although, this is what I sent to Misa after. I, I was telling her how Will reacted to to it. And then uh, I said, have you read uh, um, <laughs> have you read Edgar Allan Poe's um, The Purloined Letter? And she's like, it sounds familiar, but no. And I said, the unnamed narrator is a famous Parisian. Det- you guys all know uh, The Purloined Letter? Yes, I know The Purloined Letter. I, I, I don't. I'm just a baby. Uh, okay, so the purloined letter is a C. Auguste okay. Dupin story. It's basically okay. pre Sherlock Holmes. He's invited to find a letter that's been hidden by a minister. Um, he is using it as a blackmail against the Queen of France, um, I guess, or something. Um, and uh, he finds it. That's the whole story, right? But at the end of the story, um, there's a reference to the contents, but nobody knows what that reference means. But then somebody figured it out <clears throat> and they put it in a comic and I, I pointed it out. 
So I said, according to Carol Lay, the final lines of Edgar Allan Poe's The Purloined Letter suggest the contents of the eponymous letter. Um, um the sin si funesti sil nest dingi <laughs> digni da atri blah, 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 blah. Basically, um, it's a reference, it's a, um, uh, it's a reference to a piece of uh, mythology. Essentially, the thesis of the letter, uh, of this thesis is, is a letter of blackmail is about the queen having served a child to its father as a cannibalistic dish of revenge. And it's like, oh, that, that, that reminds me of that, that, uh, that, uh, that Shakespeare play. It's in, um, it's in Game of Thrones. Too. Yeah, it's in Game, yeah. Game of Thrones, right? This is, you know, the way you get your revenge. So she, the queen has written this letter as like, ha 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 ha. Um, and then the minister steals it to blackmail her with it, right? And so this otherwise innocuous Poe story of like a detective, it has this sinister element to it underneath. So it's like, um, when you're reading Edgar Allan Poe and you think, oh, that, that's interesting, but you don't like walk away going, huh, right? It's because you're missing something, <laughs> right? Like it's not the fact that there's a, a, a detective in it and he solves the mystery. That's actually unimportant to Poe. The important part is he's sick. <laughs> he's like, he wants to tell you something else. And that's the delivery mechanism for the cool, weird, gross thing that he's thinking of. Right, like so. So, are you thinking that that mice is like Poe now? Oh well, well, that's what that, that's what's funny is because mice is not like that. She's the opposite of of you know, like trying to deliver a sick message. Whereas, like, yeah. whereas, like, you know, most people read Annabelle Lee and they're like, "Oh, it's so beautiful," and then like you realize he's having sex with his dead wife's corpse, right? <laughs> his dead child <laughs> wife's corpse every night. And he's telling you this. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's a necrophilia story. This guy's a fucking freak. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's because Poe's um, a freak. <laughs> super freak. Yeah, he is a yeah, super freak. Yeah, well, this was like a freaky, this was a freaky play that Mysa put on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand she was a hired gun, so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was, it was uh, I don't know. I think that. If I, you know, in the light of day, my only criticism is they didn't really do like a uh, any kind of sound effect for like the milk scene. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh! Uh, and I think there could have been like, and it also made me think like, you know, this play was like staged live at one point in time. Mm-hmm. How did they like? Was there some kind of like guar aspect to it, or was it just like the description was read and that was enough? I don't or, know. I don't. Jesse, are you familiar with the band Guar? No. They're famous for like shooting you with like fake blood and stuff okay. while like you um, like are at their show. Uh, yeah, another reason not to go to a concert. <laughs> well, and music doesn't make sense. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like everybody's obsessed with novels, and uh, I don't I don't get it. Why why you guys like these novels so much? Um, it's a, music, music's the same way. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so we have, um, I think, a schedule that's much riper than it was. Um, who wants to be on Pat Frank Paul's question mark? Will uh, that Mister oh, Adam? He, he, that's the one where you're yeah. going to find out Evan's deep dark. Uh, well, I, I want to know. I want to like something motivated Evan to to. Record it, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the no, last man on earth gets to have sex with all the women on the planet. 
Clearly. But he doesn't. That's the, that's, well, I guess that's a spoiler. spoiler. I, I, I'm taking it off the he's schedule now. You ruined it. Take advantage of his, his situation. <laughs> See that? See that's where the that's where drama comes in, right? Like that's that's the yeah. drama. Uh, have you read uh, Evan? Have you read that uh, book Goslings by uh, J.D. Beresford? Oh, you should. It's good. I, I did a show on it. Maybe I did the audiobook on the podcast. Um, it's um, no, maybe not Goslings. Yeah, it's just a read along with me and Jenny. Um, it's pretty cool idea. It's uh, a plague kills everybody on the earth. Except for the men, except for the women, and there's one guy left in England. Uh, that, that also makes me think of the comic "Why the Last Man." Yep, it's the same <clears throat> same idea, except same, this is Victorian premise. Victorian period. I'll send it the link here. Um, uh, I wonder if there's an audiobook available yet. Because the the audiobook we listened to was a commercial product from Iambic, which is a sort of a spinoff of LibriVox, a commercial. Uh, commercial spinoff it's very well written um jd beresford 13 yeah jd beresford was uh um a biographer of hg wells and so he really knew what science fiction was <laughs> he was like really he thought hg wells like was the shit um so his stuff is very hg wells like and he's also got writing skill which is impressive mm-hmm so I, I think now that the schedule's a little more lined out, I uh, I need to go eat something so I can take some medicine. I'll allow it. I also must go eat. I, I yeah, I, 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 yep, I think this is where we break up. Yeah, Evan's going oh, to no, bed. How's your mom, Evan? Well, break or oh, break up, oh, not break yeah. up. Bad My mom? Yeah. Well, she's not good, but I mean, gonna make it. Good. Now. Yeah. So your older sister's mad yeah, at you know. for sending sending it's, it's uh, Heinlein not, books? It's not good for me being abroad at this time. Oh. No. That's, that just is she, harder. Is she COVIDing? Uh, is that what's going on? It's not a COVID thing. Okay. It's, it's like water retention and oh. kidney failure. Oh, some sort of issue. Yeah. That's all. We knew this was sort of coming, but... I've been trying to get... I, I talked... Last time I was in... In Wisconsin, I tried to talk to doctors about getting narcotics for her so she could be a little more mobile and not in so much pain. And they're like, can I prescribe narcotics? I don't know. My feeling is she's never going to be off them. What's who gives a fuck if she's addicted to them? Mm. Makes sense. As long as they're reliable and the- cheap. Um, um, what's the uh, what's the and- but the weirdest thing is, like, my mom was in the hospital for 24 hours before my older sister contacted my younger sister. And then she contacted me. Wow. Oh. I mean... She's probably busy I think with she's, it. Like, my, I think my older sister, like, she hasn't really written me in, like, eight months or so. Jeez. She's mad at you She's because just, of those books you sent. Because I sent Starship Troopers to her. <laughs> Should have sent Scalzi. <laughs> I, I sent a big stack of. I sent it was like Foundation, Starship Troopers. There's there another Heinlein Juvenile in there. Some other stuff. It was a good mix. 
but none of it wholesome. <laughs> um, I wanted to point out uh, before everybody leaves, Dancing Aztecs has been moved to Saturday. Yeah, it's next week. Yeah, as per um, Ooh. Will's request. You uh, up somewhere. for that, Evan? You're not. I don't know. Send it to me. All right, check it out. I'm, I'm a big Westlake Donald fan. Westlake and Aztecs. So, 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 no, no. I don't think there's any Aztecs in it. Scott. But Scott I could be wrong. That. Yeah, Scott off the list. Uh, Scott probably just forgot to put himself on there. Because Scott said the thing, it would be cool if do it on Saturday. He yeah. said yes. So you got to get me the audio book, Jesse. Post haste. Paul, I'm still doing the show. Give me a minute. I know. I need a few I'm, minutes, I'm okay? I have to go. I have to go. I'm, I'm, making my, I'm making fun of myself here. All right. <laughs> and, my, and my desire for the audio book at all costs. Wow. It's, 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 it's self-flagellation. All right. Yeah, I'm Catholic, remember? I, I believe it. But you, I see you tweeting about how jealous you were of his uh, Scott's visit to Oregon. I'm like, isn't jealousy yeah. a sin? I'm pretty sure jealousy is a sin. Yes, jealousy is a sin. Hopefully, if all goes well come September, I will be at that beach that he was. You should be, like, uh, more stoic about stuff. No, it's like, uh, unfortunately, Oregon is much like everywhere else. I, yeah. So. Yeah, I wish I could, but I'm not. Be more like Marcus Aurelius. Have have a son who wants to become a gladiator. <laughs> and and Edgar at the same time. That's, yeah. And an actor. No, like, as much as I like the cynics, like the cynics are smarter than stoic. the stoics. They're, they're the they're the best way to kind of get through life. Yeah. yeah no, I stoicism agree. stoicism is the correct way. Cynicism is the more funny way. <laughs> yeah. I really like but this. Not many of us could do it. I mean, no. just as a broad, like a as a good general principle, the Stoics are best. Some kind of mix is probably ideal. I just retweeted some Joaquin Boaz uh, post, not because I like Joaquin Boaz, oh, okay. but rather because the art is he really just, good. He used to like talk to me all the time and follow me, and he's, I ma- heard he's mad him. at me now. So you're you're canceled. Why is, it, why is he mad at you? Why well, he's mad at you. Well, because I called him out on. Uh, you already know this, Paul. I told him oh, that he was wrong that about a book. Right. He called it a blah book, and I said it's absolutely not a blah book. Here's the podcast I did to prove that it's not a blah book. What? And he says, "How dare um, you? How juvenile?" And I'm like, "Have you met me?" <laughs> uh, I'm that person. <laughs> That's exactly who I am. I'm like trying to make fights for no reason because it's funny. All right. So have a good rest of your day, everybody, and I will see you both here <laughs> on, on Saturday. Right, on bye Saturday, bye. yeah, we're dancing as later. It might be, right, it might be uh, gaming tonight, Paul. Turn my recording on and see if it sounds works. Right. Yeah, it does work. Okay. Um, did everybody get their pre-shot, uh, pre-shot, pre-show <laughs> chat material? Um, the, the you sent us the the text and you sent that tweet. Uh, what tweet? What? I, 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 I missed what I missed what I missed the pre-show chat material. You, you are the inspiration, Paul. Um, oh, 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 you're, oh, you're talking. Oh, you're talking about the list. Kai's list of books. You mean? Uh, that sounds right. It's a uh, yeah. Let me dig it out here. Yeah. Oh, Kai's it's too far back on Evans. Evans so chatty. I, I, I have to look I, on I, Paul's. I, I have the list. I can put the list. In yeah, the put chat. the link in. Yeah, the link. There. 
I'll do that. Thank you, sir. Uh, on DMs, yeah. So, like, if I went looking for I've, something, it'd be too I, far back. I've read a couple of these already, so. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask about that, so. Um, so, so uh, obviously, I mean, I've read a couple of these. I own more. Looking forward to more of them. So, so. are these new books for 2021 only? Correct. Okay. How did this person assemble this list? How, 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 um, she got, she crowdsourced a lot of it. She talks to publishers. She's a published author herself. All right. So, so uh, she has not read all of these books, I take it. No. I mean, some of these books are not even out yet. Even oh, okay. Okay, so these or, are like or, 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 information or, 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 about. Okay, got it, got right. it. Right. All right, I mean, so, like, yeah, you're right. You know, some of them say June, right? So, yeah, they would some, be. Some, some of them are October, so. Oh, wow. They, 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 I mean, unless you're really special, you haven't gotten anything. But you got some arcs or something. I mean, usually get things months ahead, right? Well, yeah. Well, yes. I All mean, right. so. So, uh. Um, my, my first thought is this is a long list. <laughs> I had no idea it would be that long. And then my second thought was, um, there's a lot of details about like what the books are about. Uh, but it's mostly fantasy is what I would say. There's a couple of space operas. And then the other it, thing, it is mostly fantasy. Yes. The other thing I noticed is there's a lot of like relationships and there's two books that are, uh, literally retellings of sleeping beauty and yeah. that and then i'm like i don't think i've heard of any of these authors <laughs> so those are my I, initial I, thoughts some of these authors are my friends jesse so, so some, some of them i've known for years how many jesse, of them are on so. the podcast paul because i don't know any of them i don't none think. of them have ever come on your podcast okay why is that and um, what is a quilt bag as well? It says LGBTQIA slash quilt bag. It, that's, it, that's, it's just, um, you know how like there's always a lot of like letters in LGBTQIA? There sure are. Yeah, oh, it's a, it's a restructuring. It's sort of a restructuring. I see. Yeah. Quilt bags kind of like we're not queer. To, like, just what's the you? There's no you. I mean, they're, they're not trying to like not intersex, all the letters have to represent lesbian, that, the, trans. Uh, you're, you're overthinking it, Jesse. It's oh. just saying, like, oh, there's a lot of letters here. Let's just say quilt bag. Uh, it's funnier. Yeah, yeah I like it. it. It's simple. It's a, it, yeah. So, so it's like, oh, oh no, you missed you missed a letter. So it kind of it's kind of a grab bag term for a quilt bag term. <laughs> any, anybody who's not you know cis hetero, basically. All right. Um. Okay. So, uh, it, am I crazy in thinking that this is a hell of a lot of books? Um, it's, it's much more than, 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 uh, queer books used to be in genre. So yes, that's, oh, I've heard of Ali and the Bodard. Yeah, that's, see, I get, I would get these, uh, uh, like the North Carolina press would send me their history publications for these. And under their section of like, I don't know, North Carolina history. You're, you're far away from your mic. Some of that was back catalog stuff too. I guess wasn't all published that year, but I don't know. A lot of books are published. Oh, I, no, I know, I know that. I'm just saying, like, this is this is new books. It's not like the last five years, right? Yeah, and is, and these are all novels. 
And this isn't from one publisher, right? This is no, yeah. This is this is across the spectrum, right? So because Kai asked, do you do you have a do you have a queer book coming out? Let me know, and boom, giant Twitter thread plus all of Kai's connections, and mm. she puts it together, and voila. Uh, it's not clear that all of them are series. Uh, there are, it's no, a no, sequel no. to, and what? you know, third in the some, series. Some are, ser- some, some are series, some are standalone, some are starts of series. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. So some I wish would become series, but covers are, are pretty. You know. Say again. They're good at making pretty attractive covers these days. Yeah, some of these yes. are really good covers, actually. I mean. I don't think I want to read any of these just based on the descriptions of what, what's being talked about. Um, I mean, there's some good ideas in there, but I also like, I don't care about characters very much. Um, but most of the ideas seem like they're delivery systems for adventures, right? I'm going to say, I'm going to say this and it's not an insult. It's just a description. You're kind of like how I was when I was. A teenager. When I read scientific <laughs> fantasy, mostly for ideas and world building, I could give fuck all about characters. Wow. My tastes have changed over the years. Now I care about characters. I still want a great world and I want plot action and all that stuff. But now I do, I do want a character that I can hook onto. Character, yeah. characters are important too. There's a lot of heists. There's a yes, lot of I, adventures. I, I, heists are big. Pirates. Um, yeah, there's a lot like of revolutions. Like, kind of like inherently gay. You know what I mean? It, well, uh, sailors are right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like pirates are like a really good like queer like like genre. Yeah, one of my philosophy. I want to say profs, but he was he was just an instructor. Um, he was. I, I didn't find out until like I don't know five, six years of being taught by him that he was gay. That was a big surprise. Um, <laughs> um, but he had a, he had a anchor tattoo on his forearm. Um, and I'm like, wow, how'd you get that? <laughs> um, he's, he's kind of, uh, and he was a writer too. That's actually how I found out. I think he made us read one of his books for, for, uh, for some, oh, it was a writing class. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, philosophy class in that case in any case um yeah there's a lot of gay gay sailoring i think isn't um aren't pirates isn't there some like massive like queer history that goes that's tied into pirates do you guys know anything about that i don't know enough about pirate history to answer i don't know about question. the massive one there's that uh rum sodomy and the lash that's a classic book but i think it's way yeah. back to 80 but i, I wouldn't describe it as massive but it's it's off-sighted Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm I not think much it's about like it. I just saw like a few things recently where people are like, it's it's like a huge part of pirating. Was like it's like this hidden history that people don't talk about. There's um, yeah, a lot of it's it's kind of you know you it's actual, like prison uh, too. General history of pirates. You know, one of my favorite stories from there is well, it's not not gay, but it, it's kind of uh, transgressive in a way. Uh, huh. But Blackbeard, he was—he married all these women. <laughs> married women in every port, I guess. So they weren't allowed on the ships usually. But yeah, no, the, the wedding banned. ceremony was basically the entire crew had sex with his wife. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> now, the thing yeah, is, that's the not very gay. Pirates, the general history of pirates 
was like, here's the thing, it was like propaganda against pirates. I mean, right. part of that text. Yeah. It was written to kind of make people fearful of pirates. It was written at a time when piracy was at its peak. So you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. What was that book that you said? Um, Rump, Sodomy, and the Lash. I think it's called Rump, Sodomy, and the Lash. Oh, okay. I've heard of the book, but I haven't read it. But what, did, what was the other one? You just did some history book of pirates Oh, as well? the general history of pirates. It was written way back in like the late 18th, 17th century, I think. Maybe early 18th century. Oh, but cool. it, the author, they used to think it was Defoe, but it's not. It's a guy named Captain Charles Johnson, who didn't, as far as we know, didn't write like, anything else. Which is why people thought it was Defoe. But you still find books that cite, you know, put Defoe as the author of it. But it's a bun- It's like a history of the different crews, and it has their different uh, oh, cool pirate codes in there and stories, and, and often it's kind of scandalous stuff. But it's our main primary source about pirates. If you don't want to get into the really you know, court records and stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. the most accessible primary source. Your starting point. I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask this question of everybody if you've all seen the list. Um, if if I see I, I'm doing this wrong, I know Paul won't like it. But if somebody put a gun to my head and says Jesse, you have to read one of these books. First thing I do is check the word count, see whichever is the smallest. Um, but if if they're all the same word count, uh, and somebody put a gun to your head, which book would be the one that sounds most interesting to you? I think I know what what uh, Will would pick. Which list are you talking about? Oh, it's um, it's in the chat. It's called the 2021 Queer Adult Science Fiction and Fantasy Books list. It's oh. it's basically a a tiny sum a tiny summary of what the book is sort of about and uh, the feel of it, and also like the gender relationships. The queer relationship, yeah. The queer yeah, like so. For example, one of the ones I'm looking up says. Looking at it, it says Pan MC. MC, I think, stands for main character. Main and character. Pan would yes. be pansexual. Um, right. uh, there's okay. another one that says everybody's bi. Double exclamation mark. Um, and then MM would be male male relationship, I think. FF, yes. female female, poly pan plus queer found family. So it sort of gets, gets you the sense of that, that's the, that and the fact that they're, uh, SFF books is what makes them on this list, right? Is that there's, they're somehow queer. Um, so looking at the list, I, I assume everybody but Marissa had a chance to look at this. Um, which I'm, is the I'm one that reviewing it again now, which is the one that you, yeah, which is the one that is most interesting to you. Cause I, I think I know. Yeah, now I, I have to pick a book I haven't actually read yet off the list. I yeah. Like you'll be I, I've read yes. several of them already. So it would be cheating for me to pick right. one already done. Um, I feel like you could guess mine. I've, I'm just scanning the list. But okay. I I oh, well, that'd be interesting. I, I think I know which one Will will pick, but I, I, I don't have a mental model of Marissa perfectly in my mind. <laughs> but we'll see if I have one of Will. There's two that I like so far. Not guess and let Jesse guess what I'd pick. I, oh, I have Paul. a guess on Jesse. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> that's that's going to be a problem. Okay, what, what, which one would you guess? Uh, Star Eater. Star Eater. By Kirsten oh, Hall. The Kirsten Hall, yeah. I've heard that one about that one. Star Eater. I like the title. Um, 
few of these songs. So it, that it comes one, out in June. It says, buy main character, star eating. <laughs> Cannibal. Star oh, eating I see. Cannibalistic nuns who fight zombies. Yes, I remember <laughs> the nuns. I think there was another religious <laughs> book in here, too. When one nun is done with the cannibalism, she jumps at the chance to become a spy instead and discovers more political intrigue than she can stomach. Cannibalistic <laughs> nuns is so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking about... Uh, that one specifically, but I, d- I did the uh, note the nun angle. Okay, wait, this list is way longer than I thought. It's so very long. long. Yeah. <laughs> it's surprising way, how big it is. It's unfair to say that you could guess it now because now I see <laughs> there's so many. Yeah, I mean, if I there's it was five. Gonna be like a top 10 or top 20. Or no. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in what your guess about me is, Jesse. I have a, I think I have. I think that we probably are in alignment, but I, I'm curious. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Evan first if Evan has. Uh, uh, I I have two that I, I I'm going by title mostly, the Sea Wolf. <laughs> by the Sea Wolf, I noticed, but I was also kind of like, thinking, uh, there's a lot of sailing ones actually. I can't do that to London. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't sound, I don't think it's, it's actually a series book as well, I think. Um, maybe not. I don't think you should reuse a Jack. Oh, yeah, sequel. Better. Yeah, well. I'm pretty sure this one's not. So what's the, so the one I picked for Will. I think we are satellites. We are satellites. We are satellites. Uh, the one I picked for Will. What's that one about, Evan? Yeah. It's FF Family. Everyone's getting their brain. It's a really old fashioned topic, which maybe it's why, it's an old, old idea in science. Why maybe I was drawn towards it. Everyone's getting a brain implant. Why aren't you? What happens when clearly invasive tech becomes the norm? If you're one mm-hmm. of the few who say no, that's a, that, 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 was, that, does, that sounds very you. That's that. that uh, I like that one. That's very Jesse too. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a defector for sure. Not a defective defector. defector. Well, you're also like I hate no, invasive tech every day. Uh, yeah. And I also don't like to do what everybody else is doing. Um, the one I picked for you, Will, uh, is called The Forever Sea by Joshua. I thought you might pick that one because <laughs> it's similar to uh, that, uh, similar to uh, The Green Odyssey. Yeah, yes. I, I might pick it for me, too, because I like the line, what lurks in those tall prairie grasses, politics, intrigues, deadly beast, grandmother. Holy above. <laughs> um, yeah, so here, here's what I think you should have picked for me. What's um, up? It's actually the first one on the list. Okay. Uh, Persephone Station. I bred that. It's fabulous. A grimdark grim feminist space opera western. You like yes. western, yeah. It, it is. It, it, it. You need to read this. Well, it's the shit. <laughs> Beneficent criminals, wayward assassins, and washed-up mercenaries fight the man. Okay, yeah, I can see why Will would go for that. Westerns and fighting the man. Yeah, and it's like grimdark, you know, like me. and it's got aliens. She did, oh. the aliens are there too. Yes, it's got lots of fun and AI. May I ask? May I ask? There's a, there's a few AIs in here. I, I know. yeah, but it doesn't mention AI yeah. station, But there's AI. There's aliens. There's Western on alien planet fighting fighting the corporation. Yeah, it's. Can you tell? I love this book. I did. Oh, I think I think I want to change my vote here. I think Galactic Hellcats is <laughs> it's a good title. Might be better. Galactic female spice space biker gang rescues gamers <laughs> space heist while evading space repo men. Now, 
really what gets me here, why this gets boosted up, is I missed this part before, the invading the space repo man. Mm. Or probably Hedro, right? Quirky, fun adventure of wannabe gang of thieves. Um, I noticed a lot of that. Uh, So I was thinking about what these books all have in common, and what, besides, you know, the fact that they're queer. I noticed a lot of it was, it didn't say found family over and over again, but there's a lot of, like, squad sort of groups of, you know, teams and, you know, heisters. Found family is big these days, Jesse, not just in queer, but just in No, but I think it makes more sense in in, uh, LB uh, quilt bag. (laughs) And the reason is, you know, if your family is not cool with the fact that you're whatever you are, um, that means, you know, you're isolated. And when you find somebody who accepts you, you're more more tight. Harry Potter really, like, inspired a lot of that shift. Yeah, that's it's weird, structure. right? Because it's it, it that's caused by um it wasn't it wasn't because all along she was she was trying to give that sense. It was rather it was the public school system, right? Mm-hmm. In the UK, um which is, you know, a form of abuse as all school systems are. Um, <laughs> um I I'm just show noting the rage show and Evan and I had very interesting reaction to that book. Which is about school and the school shooting, but it's mostly about institutions and school. Um, so I can, I can see that. I can see the, that sort of as a combination, but there's no hard SF books on here as far as I could tell. Um, I mean, you can't really tell a hundred percent, but there's, there's, I would say probably about 70% fantasy and then I, the rest I, I, are. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, depend, define hard SF. Well, like, I was thinking, like, there's no planetary colonization book, like, you know, Kim Stanley Robinson. There's, there's no, like, I don't think anything. I mean, hard SF is kind of hard I mean, to th- define. I mean, I mean but it's. So you're saying space opera is not hard SF? Absolutely. Yes. I thought, Usually not. I thought hard SF. I thought it had a pretty precise definition, guys, and maybe I'm wrong. I thought hard SF was plausible given what we currently know about physics and No, yeah. it doesn't no, it doesn't have to be that. What what it has to be is is you you're basically interested in in some aspect of science that you want to sort of spend time thinking about. Right? So like so- in the case of Kim Stanley Robinson's, you know, Mars series, right? He's he's saying how would you make a planet uh ha- habitable right so that isn't about um it isn't about uh you know heists it's about like well this is what the composition of the soil is right or like the martian yeah. right the martian is is hard sf even though it feels very fun and adventurous um, that's his focus, right? Is to right, make do you it. Know what the, go for it. I, I think it's the descriptions on this that are maybe the fault. I, 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 that's possible. That's possible. All the descriptions on this, they're kind of corny. Like they're, they're pil- pulling out like just the things that appeal to this person. And there's a lot of exclamation marks and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like yes, there are a lot wait, of exclamation marks. There's hearts. The story about the, well, the, the hidden behind these. But <laughs> I, I, I just think this is a general trend in, in science fiction anyways. You know, that most, most people, like I heard Scott just did a show with, uh, Tamahome, uh, who I haven't t- heard from in a long time. Um, and they just read like a very short, uh, like 150 page, uh, hard SF book. And it sounded really interesting. Um, 
Oh, I can bring it up on my phone, I guess. Um, uh, it's a, it's not available as an audiobook, which is disappointing because I, I was thinking that would be a good book to do. Let's see. Hmm. Playback history isn't showing it. So, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wine Dark, Wine Dark Deep. Um, let's see who the author is. By R. Peter Keith. Have you heard of this book? No, I have not. Um, I think it's a self-published book. Uh, Wine Dark Deep. Uh, R. Peter Keith. There we go. Uh, and. Wine Dark Deep. Yeah, it's yeah. apparently getting, um, a lot of positive it reviews. Like it, it, it does look like it's uphill. Yeah, it does look like it's self-pubbed. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing anymore. It used to be, you no, know, like, no. it used to be a badge of shame, right? I published this book and printed a whole bunch there in my garage, right? Mm-hmm. But now, I, I, you know, most of the time they're not even, they're just digital only, right? In, right. in such yeah. cases. Um uh, so, uh, the, the way they were described, I don't want to change the topic completely, but the way they're describing it, they show up on, uh, they're headed for the asteroid belt planet series or dwarf planet series. Um, and when the, they're on their way there to refuel, the, they say, you can't stock here and uh, they want to refuel. They don't want to limp home. So they forcibly go down and they're having some sort of revolution down there. And the, uh, the captain who's kind of like Captain Kirk, I guess, um, gets captured and he, he escapes the planet using, you know, physics. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, it sounded really fun. Like how do you get into orbit of, uh, of an asteroid and not get crushed, uh, when you slam into your own spaceship and, you know, like there's no transporter beams and stuff like that. It's, it's all physics based. Um, but there's a story there that's inside of it. And, uh, it, it sounds a little like what I imagine the expanse is like. Um, uh, yeah, that sounds very expansey. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, you know, like anything, so I didn't see on this list anything that made me think there was a hard SF book, but I did think there was a lot of adventure. And adventure is a genre for sure. And it's absolutely related to science fiction. I mean, if you think about those Tom Clancy books in the 80s, uh, some of them are quasi-science fiction. They're usually called techno-thrillers, right? Um, and there was a lot of crossover with authors. But um, I think, like, most of the SF ones, yeah, it doesn't really say, right? Light from Uncommon Stars. It's got space. It's got stars, right? It says... It doesn't say anything about it, you know, being, you know, <laughs> faster than light or anything. But the space opera, I believe, is never hard SF unless, well, maybe there's some something. There's some C.J. Chera space opera that's like definitely hard SF. Okay. Uh, but like that's like back in like the like. Um, what, what would be making like it 70- hard SF? Um, down below station. Yeah. Um, Citine. But what makes uh, it hard SF? Because uh, I've heard the of those books. The focus on the physics, the focus okay. on the science, like it's the stuff that you were citing. Okay. The, the, fo- the focus on living on a space station under under uh, in a pressure cooker, basically, which that's down below station. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm thinking uh, yeah, like, and like she she starts off the novel with like 
Um, just like an extended sequence of how long it takes to get from like one star system to another and mm. have a colony established there. It's really just, I mean, it's some really like, um, epic speculation about how that would like take mm-hmm. place. And it's based on like, you know, it, it's not like, oh, we discovered a new technology that let us do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, cause uh, I've been thinking a lot about that. Uh, that maybe was another pre-chat item was, um, uh, Carl Gallagher, G, Carl G, Carl J Gallagher came up with a post about, uh, the Mohs scale of hardness, which is, you know, for, it's a scratch test in geology. You can take any rock and try and scratch another rock with it. And whichever one's harder, um, eventually you can figure out what material it is if you have enough rocks, <laughs> right? Um, so diamonds scratch everything, right? Um, there's a website that has uh, or a YouTube channel that tests phone screens and phones screens scratch uh, at a level, <laughs> a Mohs scale of hardness level six, um, which is uh, not so like if you take a, a steel razor blade and try and scratch your phone screen, it won't scratch. Right. But if you take a um, diamond, it will totally scratch. And that's between the scale of six and, and ten. Um, so if you, if you're judging hard SF, how hard is it? Um, he, he came up with examples and like some of the, there's a famous story, um, I mentioned yesterday, uh, in a tweet called, um, The Light of Other Days by Bob Shaw. I'm sure Paul's read it. Y'all read this story? Yeah. Nope. A long while ago. It's a really, really nice little story, and it feels like it shouldn't be hard SF, but I think it's very hard. It's about a couple going to the Irish countryside. It's very short. Yeah, um, it's a slow glass story. Uh, yeah, slow glass is the technology Paul's mentioning. It's the, I, the first one, and it's really the only one you need to read. There, It's the same idea. Well, I, the way I think of it, it's the only one you need to read. Basically, there's a, a couple on vacation in the countryside in Ireland, and they stop to buy some quote unquote slow glass. And slow glass is basically, it's a kind of rock that allows light to pass through it, but at a very slow rate. Um, and it's cut to sh- the shape of windows or the shape of portraits on the wall or paintings on the wall. So what you do is you find a nice Irish valley countryside and you set up, uh, one of these pieces of sl- slow glass and just let it sit there for 50 years or. 10 years or whatever. And the thicker the glass, the, the more it can hold, you know, and then you take it home and you put it on your wall. And now you have a view of the Irish countryside for 50 years. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the twist is that the windows of the house of the guy selling it are actually made of slow glass. So you can see his wife wandering around inside, but she's long dead. That's the, that's the twist, yeah, yeah, right? It, it, it's a great that, that, yeah. That, that's the yeah. That's the twist. It's the great little idea, right? Now, there's no spaceships, <laughs> there's no like electric cars. It doesn't. Uh, not, that's the one idea. And uh, Carl Gallagher came gave that a I think a score of six on the most scale of hardness, and I'm like, wow, that should be a lot harder. I thought, but what, it feels soft. What's the name of that one? It's called Slow, uh, "The Light of Other Days." By oh, Bob okay. Shaw. There's also an Arthur C. Clarke novel by that title, and you should not read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too oh, long. Jesse, yeah, Jesse oh, days. days. Bob Shaw. Um, that, that's on, um, I think, the f- 
first issue of a Bane, so it's online. Um, but it's from 1966, and it's it's a good story. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just I'm wondering. I'm wondering if part of the problem I have with modern SF is that it's not what I want, which is more science, less characters, less less series. Um, 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 yeah. The economics of science fiction pushed towards towards series, even that's, when that's the other question I wanted to ask you, Paul. Is do you know of all? The, I know you know at least one of the people, Aliette de Bedard, right? Yep, this is a person I'll, I've seen. Yeah, I know Aliette. I know. I, I know Stina, who writes Persephone okay. Station. How I, many of these I'm, people make a living writing? I'm I'm guessing zero on this entire list. Um, let me see. Day job, day job. Um, Shannon, Shannon doesn't, but Shannon writes a fuck ton, so she doesn't have a day job. Um, so, so she she makes a living writing books. Yeah, because she has like four. Shannon McGuire is that who you're yeah, talking? Yeah, Shannon McGuire. She has like four different pseudonyms and writes writes like a fiend. So right. Yes. Um, day job, day job, day job. Day job. <laughs> I thought you were saying day, day job, deja, day but job, it's day job. Got day it. Job. Um, Juliet. No, Juliet hasn't quit her job yet. So, um, Amy has but they're a job. Uh, but they're all they're attempting. I think is why you're saying the series is pervasive. Is it's a way of making trying to make a living, or or or, or, or not e- not even trying to make a living. That's that's not even that's not even the appeal. So. Uh, publishers want series more than authors do. <laughs> so they can make a because, living. <laughs> because that's, because that's like more guaranteed sales and, yeah. you know, I mean, but also, I mean, so do a lot of readers, right? Like, also a lot of readers. I, like, I think I that that's true. I think that's true. But like, there was another tweet that I thought was really interesting. Um, and I, I sent this, I know, to Will, um, because I, I had a little, uh, conversation with Will this week. Um, Joachim Boaz, is that how you say it? Um, yeah, SF ruminations, yeah. I tweeted about uh, the introduction to a collection of Larry Niven stories and s- says at least he admits it, or at least he's honest. Oh, right, right. With there's regard to, um, yeah, yeah, with regard to Larry Niven being a trust fund guy, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is I was thinking the at least is the is the insult. Because it means there's something bad, right? If you're born into a trust fund, that that makes you suspect. I agree. <laughs> However, um, he didn't make a li- he he is saying he didn't make a living as a writer, and that was in the seventies. So I, I think that it's it's not gotten easier. I think it's gotten harder, and it, that was in no, the seventies. It's, it's I mean, short story writers can't make a living. No, no, that's true. And most novelists can't make a living. I mean, Sean is the exception, not the rule. No, it's, yeah. I I mean, there there are people who can, Stephen King, right? Yeah, there's like, there's it. like five people. <laughs> five people. And, and notice that. Or, 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 they, or they live very tenuous existences. Um, yes. And, and, and they've got, just got to write like mad in order to think of things. Um, another author who writes a ton, now he's not on this list, is Adrian Tchaikovsky. He just turns out novels on a dime. They're all good, they're all different. I mean, you, you either have to be super prolific, you have to be super prolific. 
or Stephen King, you know, is sell tons in order to make a living writing. And, mm-hmm. and very few people can do that, either of those. But it doesn't stop people from doing it. That's that's the amazing um, pe- thing, people, right? People, hum, hum, Homo sapiens is, is the species that tells stories. So of course people want to tell stories. They have stories. To I don't tell. think that's I don't think that's completely it though, because uh, you know you could do the same thing with it, the novel form. I think is is the or in, in this case, I guess the series form is the premier way of doing that, rather than you know writing songs or. Some people aren't musical. Yeah, no, um, I'm not musical. And- and, I mean, and do you think cult- there's more uh, novelists than there are songwriters? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. Uh, that's a hard answer. question. I don't have enough data to answer that one. That's a good Probably, one. probably there's more, more... I think there's more aspirational writers than there are aspirational songwriters. Yeah, I mean, how many... How many... Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people who have are working on writing, you know, writing books, and they've been doing it for decades. Writing um, is hard. It is hard. But but it looks deceptively easy. But when you actually try to write it, it doesn't. It you find out so for some people it is easy, right? You know. For some, but but the Robert Silverberg. I was thinking Lawrence Block, time. but yeah. yeah, they have talent. Yeah, you go back to the same people over and over again. Yeah, but, but it, it's there's there's uh, you know, but there's also schools for it, right? And I guess there's schools for songwriting as well. But probably a lot more schools for songwriting than for like yeah, book writing. I don't know. I think there's probably I mean, a lot of amateurs. I mean, I mean there are some MFA programs and stuff, but teaching teaching someone to write a science fiction novel. I mean, there there are books and courses that supposedly will do that. Oh yes, um, they have like Clarion and stuff. Who right? Doesn't have a day job. N.K. Jemison, but she's big now. She's not on this list. Also, I don't think she's not on this list. I don't think she's on this list. No. Um, because I don't think she has a book coming out in 2021 because she's, she's been, no, actually she does. And I don't know why that's not, I'm not sure there's a core character in it, but anyway, she, I mean, she, she, I mean, you know, that great courses thing or, or something yeah, that it's called yeah, uh, the I mean, great she's courses. Signed up to do the science fiction one. So, oh, oh cool. What, so, what, yeah. what the teach like how to write science fiction? Right. Yes. Ah, interesting. Um, That'll sell a lot of great courses. It probably exactly. will. It's not great courses. It's the other one. Um, oh. Masterclass. Master I'm not familiar oh, with that one. But. That one's way less accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one's much more expensive. Yeah. yeah but I yeah, was like, she's, oh, she's, cool. Great because Neil Gaiman <laughs> taught the previous one, and now N.K. Jemison is teaching the new one. Mm. So. Yeah. Masterclasses is for people with a bit of disposable money to spend on that stuff. Correct. Yeah, courses <laughs> you can get for free from the library and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, masterclass costs money. But it's interesting. So. It's interesting uh, about you know, like I'm looking. Some of these covers are really good, and some of them are okay. Um, so uh, obviously, there's market for <laughs> for doing covers as well, right? There's all these. Oh my god! Yeah, right? yes, there are. But oh, uh, and how how about how do the people who do those make livings? Because it, um, it's funny. Well, they, I have they, a feeling they, they, that the author they, they, makes the least amount on any book. They, <laughs> like the company I, makes I, something, I mean, the I mean, cover I, artist I, makes I something, typesetter makes I something. I know someone who does a lot of covers. But he also does a lot of other art as well. But he he also he's also a machine of of working. That's John Picasso. So some of these are I, like I, I think I could knock it out in like about a, four or five hours, um, and others are like no, that's really good. That's like a painting, <laughs> you know. 
and obviously, like, uh, it's it's a. I think a, it's important. It's it. It's so they're full of this symbols. Can, this drives me insane because I fucking hate that publishing is set up in a way that like authors don't even always get a say on their covers, or mm-hmm. they get to like pick one of three right. like shitty covers that the publisher gives them, and it just drives me nuts because they spend years and years writing this amazing piece of art, and then some publisher is going to come along yeah. and just throw a shitty cover on the front of it. Like, uh, at least two of like these not, that affects the sale. are silhouette it really covers. It's, it's so much. Silhouette like, covers, you know, like, it's just it, they took a photo and then they blacked out the the models and then right. put it. So, like, that kind of cover, it tells me um, they don't care that much. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if it's, and then there's another style where they get models and they, and then they just paint in like a sword, right? Um, yeah. and then it's like, okay, well, that's a generic character that's supposed to represent. Um, and sometimes it works, but I would say, like, I need a painted cover <laughs> almost every yeah. time. And like, when people come to me for editing, like, self published authors and they tell me their budget, I'm always like, okay, and then have you already, like, cut out a big chunk of that for your artist? Otherwise, do that now mm. before we talk about the editing because, um, I've worked with people before, like, you know, they did all this work, they paid for the editing and stuff, and they've got $200 oh for my whatever God. left over for a cover, and they put a shitty cover on their book, and it never sells. And it's like, yeah. you did all that work. <laughs> it's so important. It's I, so I mean, important. a title is important, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like, that's what... I, I run a website that's about audio. But what do I do? I I want to find some art that inspires me to read the book. If it yeah. doesn't have it, how, you know, like... It's pretty. Um, it has to be have a pretty amazing stature for me to want to read a book uh, right. that doesn't have any art. And, and I know I'm not that, alone. We all like talk about stories all day. We read reviews, all this stuff, and I will still buy a book if it has a killer cover. Like, yeah, just, like, it makes you want to read cover. it. Like, yeah, there, 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 there are books and authors I discovered because I looked at the cover and thought, like, I need to know more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the cover, like, there, uh, there's one of these. It's like it's called Blood Moon. Could be a great book, but it's just a moon and an, a silhouette of a of a wolf. Oh, 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 yeah, that's that's my friend Catherine. It could be okay. Novel. It could be but a great it book. Is, it is. It, it is. But, self-published is not the right word. I mean, she has her own tiny press, but yeah, it is mostly self-published. So yeah, so it's not going to have the budget for a cover like say, um, a Desolation Cold piece. Like, there you go. A couple down. You go a what? couple down. I would rather see like a cover though that has a low budget. Like it could be an upcoming artist, but you hired someone and paid them for their hours to try. Like just a cover that attempts to be detailed and good and took some time. Like even if it's a little bit flawed and not like movie poster cover. Mm-hmm. Like someone's art, you know, like someone who read the book and it's like they have yeah. a style, right? So if yeah. you go down a couple, the one called the Unbroken. Uh, oh, see, I, I can't see. I read that. I one can't one make that one. picture any bigger. But it makes me want to make the picture bigger because mm-hmm. uh, of the composition, of the light. There's a, a silhouette effect, but it, there, I can see that there's painting, right? And like that makes me say, oh well. First, yeah. first of all, like look, look at the action, right? So it's like a door's opening or something. It, it makes you wanna read it. It's not just like here's a picture of a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which? Which of these did you pick for me, Jesse? Oh, I, you, I, you know, I actually kind of picked this idea for you because I was thinking, you know, this is kind of your job. 
right? I mean, not it's not the the bulk of your job, but this is so. How do you make your book stand out? How do you make your um your title? Like, I, I don't know how much time you spend on titles, but I spend a lot of time thinking about titles of stories when I'm reading reading short and deep. You know, like mm-hmm. in a short story, especially the shorter mm-hmm. it is, the more important the title is. Because it, yeah. it's as a percentage of the of the thing, and it, I always think of it like as a key to unlock a story, right? So if you if mm-hmm. you if you change the title of a book, it can make it way better or make make it way worse, um, because it's a way of it's like a lens through which you see the whole thing. Yeah. So a classic example: A Princess of Mars versus John Carter. Which ones? Which ones more interesting? I don't know who John Carter is. Mm-hmm. I do know what a princess is. I do know what Mars is. Right. And yeah. that's a very you, basic one. You, yeah. If they even said John Carter of Mars as the title of that movie, uh, that, that would work. So a lot more tickets. Yeah. Or Barsoom. Just, at least, I, at least I would say, Oh, what's, what's a Barsoom? Barsoom. I'm not so sure about, but John Carter of Mars, I'm convinced would have sold a lot more tickets than John Carter. Cause John Carter doesn't like, who? I get it. Or princess of Mars. Even better. And it was a Disney movie, and they didn't even go with the princess. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Deja Thoris is a Disney princess, unacknowledged. <laughs> what is wrong with the universe? <laughs> so uh, who wants to do a show on a Philip K. Dick, Ray Nelson joint? Um, I, I, I think it's time to take over this podcast to talk about books. All right. Books. Yeah. I'll allow it. I, I want to just say that, okay, you didn't pick one for me, but um, okay, you gave it – to Will, the Forever Sea is the one that I thought you would. Oh, really? Guess. Okay. <laughs> I haven't read that one yet, so I can't say. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking that that was um, a good one because it was a Philip Jose Farmer one for Will. Uh, but I, uh, you know, the cover on that's pretty good too. But I actually didn't notice the cover until after I read the description, and then I was like, "Oh wait, that looks pretty good." I also noticed that there's a mistake that We Could Be Heroes has the same cover as Yeah um, Forever Sea, Little Typo. <laughs> Jesse, you never picked one for me. Oh, Paul. Uh, I I assumed <laughs> you read all of them. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot, I do want to read a lot of them. It's true. Some of them are... Some of them which, one, which one is for Paul, Paul? Yeah, which one is for Paul? Uh, you want me to guess? There's like 45. Yes, I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. You're, you're really hard to understand. I have a very poor mental model of you. Very poor. I'm not sure that's a compliment or an insult or both. Uh, I don't think it's either. Um, I'm looking at the Jasmine Throne, and I think that cover's awesome. Morally gray lesbians want to set an empire ablaze. That sounds good for Jesse. I have no idea if that's what sets Paul on fire. I I am interested in that novel. It is true. I, I know you talk a lot about Aliette de Bazaar. Bedard. Ali de Bedard, yes. So. Yeah. There's a Django Wexler. I've heard you mention yeah, that name. Yes, I've, re- I've re- I read the first book in that series. Actually, there's two, I think there's two Django Wexler <laughs> on here. I really I do not Jesse know. Jesse had it right before. It's all of yep. them. Yeah. Yep, so, 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 I, so I do want to read Hard Reboot, <laughs> and I have read Ashes of the Sun, so I do want to read Blood of the Chosen. Okay, so. okay, Paul. Is there any you don't want to read? Um, God help. Uh, I'll pick one. I'll pick one that doesn't excite me. Uh, I'll pick one that doesn't excite me too much. Um, um, Trailer Park Trickster by David R. Slayton. I'm not big on urban fantasy. Mm, All right, no. White Trash Warlocks, not for Paul. 
no, that yeah, that's that 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 doesn't really that doesn't that doesn't uh, excite me so much. Okay. There. What excites you, Marissa? Um, I like anything with like if it sounds a little bit weird or it has like nature, like weird biology or. Weird, mm. bio- Weird oh, biology. Mystery, that does sound like. like yeah, Marissa. yeah. We were talking about this on on the other podcast that will come out eventually. Which, yeah. which podcast? Oh, your podcast. Yeah. That's why the um the forever sea one like grabbed me straight away because mm. I was like, ooh, yeah. environmental fantasy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just threw my mic. Um, ships. On. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, any of those here, these other here that I know is weird biology that you might go with. Or um, if it sounds kind of like. Uh, like druggy or psychedelic or trippy, like just like something a bit weird. I'd probably read you mean that. like this book. You mean like the book we're about to read. Yeah, um, <laughs> save it. Um, um, I, I, I mean, it's not on this list, but it is queer. Last year's and uh, last year's um, the Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson. I think you'd like that. Oh. What about the? Oh, I have a for Marissa. What about Blackwater Sister? Oh, the, the art, the art on that is really good. Um, but also, okay. gra- Grandma's great until she's literally haunting you. Now Grandma yeah. wants to hijack your body when you move back to Malaysia so she can fight a gang boss who offended a god. Uh, I don't like stories with gods and stuff so much. No, but, uh, but I like the I like the Grandma is great yeah. until she's haunting you. <laughs> like that part's good. I'm not so. There are actually a number of god uh, items in this list. Yeah, you know, like they, they sometimes be good, but sometimes I get. Yeah. Uh oh. What's uh what's going on, Evan? Is she okay? Oh, he's uh he's off for a minute, I guess, while his mom's okay. his mom's in hospital, so I do have oh. a book to recommend for you guys, but it's not on audio, so I guess you'll never read it, Jesse. <laughs> Sad story. <laughs> what what's the book? Um I just read uh The Root of Ice and Salt. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and it's really fucking good. It's really weird. It's queer. It's the like prequel to Dracula, like written by a Mexican guy. Weird. Um, I think you guys will all like it. Nineteen ninety-eight. Really what what was that book name again? The Root, or do you guys say Route? Root? I don't know how R O U T E. I th- yeah. I heard Road. Uh, route of ice, ice and salt. And salt. It just got translated to English. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. It's really I fucked see. up it's yeah creepy that's, that's, that's something that marissa likes really fucked up <laughs> there's like a scene where a dude fucks a boat whoa just like really weird. <laughs> wow but it's really short so you could read it jesse uh, i I, I had a physical copy of the book that we're doing today right beside me here i listened to the <laughs> audiobook <laughs> Um. Yeah. So Evan says you know, this, this, we this, can this start without him. Theoretically, be on Kai's list. Uh, it's queer. Well, I, queer. I, I can abode's pretty queer. Um. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know the cover there. The cover <laughs> there, I think, is a repurpose of. Um, oh, maybe not. It looked a lot like um, Gustave Doré. Which you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna repurpose Gustave Doré, is a good one to do it from. That's the other thing I don't understand. It's like you you there's a huge vast swath of 
endless depths of old art you can just rip off and put on your cover instead of like some shitty Photoshop mm. that Jesse wouldn't even approve of. <laughs> you know, like for like I'm pretty critical of my own photoshopping. So um if I was doing it for uh, a living, I would be trying to make money at it. I, I would not be happy. I, I'm sure I would feel resentment and just want to put out as many as possible. And yeah, and some people have terrible taste in art. They just like, they slap any old thing on their cover. And it's like, what? Really why do. did you do that? At least choose a font and make it a, a you know, monochrome. I mean, it, it reminds me of those, uh, the, those Philip K. Dick reprints from, I don't know, the nineties. Right, it's like I get so mad when I think about those. I hate it's like, them. and they're not. It's like so tangentially unrelated. Like um, the guy wears a suit in the book, so it's Paisley. It's like a fucking <laughs> like clip art from the nineties. That's what I'm saying. Books. It's yeah. like <sighs> they, they're resting on their laurels so hard that the lawyer laurels are crushed and uh, withered. Like how just, dare they? It makes me so mad. Like when you look at how good the covers used to be as well, yeah, and this fucking yeah. amazing writer, and then they put that those disgusting covers on. Like they're so thoughtless and uncaring. It. That's that's know. that's the right way of putting it. Thoughtless and uncaring. The art yeah. for the audiobook I put in is the cover I'm holding. Um, I think it's Vincent de Fate. It's a painted cover, and it's got um, one of those anteaters, kind of. Um, and then there's a, our, one of our main characters, uh, decapitated head floating and then the girl's decapitated head. And then there's a mountain with an eye and then there's floating eyeballs and electric, <laughs> electric transmitters. Right. Wait, this is for the book we just read. Yeah. 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 And, and, it, and it's got like a symmetry going on. I don't know what it all means, but there's some effort put into it. Yeah. Right, it someone, gives me some. Someone read the book and yeah, made and it sort of had an idea action. that maybe this is connected <laughs> to the yeah. material. Like, I'm not sure why the moon's in here because I don't think the moon is a major lesson for this story. There's no moon. Oh wait, but there's bubbles in the sky, which I almost get. <laughs> you know, but maybe we uh, should get get on to the actual show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Just give me one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Give me two minutes. Yeah, I need to run. I need to. I need to run to the bathroom real no quick. No worries. Go start. for it. Yep. All right. I'll be right back. If it's a everybody's going pee. Everyone. It's the pee show. I have returned. I heard. <laughs> I heard the flush. Oh, you did. Well, yes. that's good. Glad to. Glad to. Podcasting from the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> glad to share water with you in that way, Jesse. Wow. Um. Yeah, that's a cancelable offense. We should just read Scalzi. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, <laughs> get you with my. Um, I I think I had forgotten. Uh, I think I recently remembered water sharing for some reason, mm. and now I like think about water sharing. It's a it's a yeah. weird it's a weird aspect of the book because you're hearing about it a lot, but you're not seeing it. Exactly. So I thought it was like some metaphor, <laughs> largely. And I think it is. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Seriously. I like, I, th- I think this is some metaphor, and I think it is, but also it goes back to the fact that they're on Mars and there's not a lot of water. Right? Yeah. <laughs> water is life. Oh, wait, that's Dune. That's a different thing. Yeah. 
what, whatever happened to that Dune movie that they supposedly It's coming making? out in October. Wow, really pushing it away. Well, they're trying to get it into theaters, Jesse. I don't understand. I don't get Jesse's it. Jesse's never been to a theater. I have. <laughs> I have. It's been a while. Why would why would he bother with that? <laughs> I like I like the movie theater experience. I just don't like paying for it and uh watching the fucking five hours of ads at the beginning. I love that we just like stop making like blanks. Like blanket statements about JC's personality. Like, He's a cannibal. <laughs> He's never been to a movie theater. He doesn't read. He doesn't read. He can't, can't read. Yeah, um, no, I can read. I just don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have problems reading, but um, I understand. It's, it's all right. Um, so I guess do we? Are we still waiting on Evan, or do we want to get started? Uh, I assume that uh, we should start without him. Um, I'll leave a blank space where Evan will be at the beginning, and maybe we'll get him to say. Hi, I'm Evan. Or, or Are how you, about this? Will you can pretend to be Evan? How about that? Oh, I would, I, I would love that. All right, now we can do that. That'll be fun. <laughs> what do we get? An image from Marissa. I bought oh. that because I thought I'd have time to. Chessboard Planet. That's cool. Loose Paget. That's um, Cutner and yeah. Moore, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, apparently it's like uh, it might have inspired this book that we read. So I was like, Ooh, "Oh, really? I'll grab that and read it." Yeah, but I didn't get to read it. So I've it's never seen that. So good. I've never seen that book before, but the cover makes me want to read it. Um, I could uh, investigate its public domain status afterwards. Good idea. Yeah. All right. Someone in the Goodreads said that they were like, "Oh, Philip K. Dick totally read this book before." Interesting. He started writing. All right, so uh, Jesse, Paul, uh, Evan. <laughs> Jesse, Paul, Evan. No, no, Jesse, Paul, Marissa, Evan, Will. So, Will, you're going to say, hi, I'm Evan, or however Evan says it. And then you'll say, hi, I'm Will. Make sure you okay, bury I'll, your I'll voice to, a little I'll bit. To, I'll try to differentiate. Let's throw some... Um, let's throw some um, uh, Mid-Atlantic... Into your accent, I think. For Will. For uh, Evan. Okay? Here we go. Oh, wait. I'm going to just make sure I'm recording. Paul, you got a recorder going? I have a recorder going now. All right. Here we go.